Hey, this is Glover Teixeira, UFC Light Heavyweight Champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Tiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Muñoz. Mike Brown. Hey, I'm Alexey Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is Yvonne Van Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from American Picks. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. Jacob and I are going to break down the entire UFC Long Island fight card. We're going to give you our picks, our bets, and our fantasy plays. And if you want 50 free bucks to really kickstart your weekend, go to wewantpicks.com bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit, and we send you 50 bucks. It's literally that simple. We have five different betting partners. They all offer their own promos, bonuses, and matches. And then on top of that, after you sign up and make a deposit, I send you 50 bucks, PayPal, Cash App, Venmo, however you want it. And Jakey Boy's celebrating over here. I don't know why you're like, oh, NASA, NASA, that's stupid as shit. Because my picks are out of this world, Angelo. Get a clue. All right, solid. Picks are out of this world. Solid return. Anybody who doesn't know, Jacob went 11-0 last week. One of the trickiest cards of the week. I saw you guys hemming and hawing afterwards, the lost money. Somehow, Jacob went eleven and well, zero on his I don't like picks. that. I don't like that word somehow, record. Angelo, because I do my research. I do my research. I watch film on every fight, so it's not lucky. It's not somehow. I do it, and I've been consistent for eight weeks. Can we get a like on the stream right now for eleven and zero? I appreciate it. Let's get into this card because um, I'm confident again. I'm pretty confident again. I like the, right, I like well, this card. Uh, listen, I you know I'm probably your biggest hater, but obviously we do this together, so I'm glad your picks were good. And I disagree with the Michael Johnson decision, but it was close enough. It's not a robbery. Great job in your picks. I, I genuinely am hoping you can repeat that success. But I know I already know you and I disagree on a few of these. So let's jump in. And Bo talking about our graphics are the best in the game. They are. You know how long it took me to find the perfect Long Island backdrop for these graphics. So thanks for That's noticing, Bo. One. We do it for you. We do it that's for my you. Uh, that's my second OnlyFans uh, name is the Long Island. Okay, opening up UFC Long Island, we have Jessica Panay taking on UFC newcomer Emily Ducote. Jessica Panay is fourteen and five overall, two and three in her last five, and she is riding a nice two-fight win streak since her time away from the cage. Emily Ducote. Is 11 and 6 overall, 4 and 1 in her last five, and she's riding a three fight win streak into her UFC debut. Jessica Panay's been fighting since 2006. That's almost 16 years of experience. And during that time, she's picked up skills along the way and she's become pretty well rounded. She's not great at any one thing, but she does have okay boxing, solid grappling, and again, she's a well rounded fighter. She took a four-year layoff in 2017, but she's come back since then and she put together two wins in the UFC. Her first win was a bad decision over Lupita Godinez where Thank she was you. taken down three times and outstruck. So I completely disagree with her first win, but her second win was a very solid one. It was a submission over Karolina Kovacevic where she actually looked pretty good. Emily Ducote stepping in on six weeks notice. So it's not necessarily short notice, but she is stepping up and making her UFC debut. 
But don't let the debut part fool you. She's got plenty of experience in large organizations. She's got eight fights in Bellator. She became the Invicta champion after a few fights there as well. Style-wise, she's a slick counter-striker with legitimate power for the division and very good wrestling. She's durable and she's accurate. What she does really well is just throw great punches and come right down the middle. So if you want to play an outside game, look into, you know, pick your shots and then throw some looping ones. She is going to throw something straight up the middle, tag you, and then move out of the way. I'm not a big trend person. I don't believe in the trends. Like, you guys have heard me rail the Dana White contender series fade. I'm not a big fan of, like, curses or any of that nonsense. I just believe in, you know, watching tape, taking notes, and just bringing legitimate analysis. But with that being said, <laughs> five weeks in a row, five weeks in a row, and you guys have been saying this in the comments and I've been ignoring it, and now it's too, we're too far gone to ignore. Five weeks in a row, the favorite of the opening fight of the card loses. And it hasn't mattered how big of a favorite that fighter is. We just saw it two weeks ago. I, I'm, I've been caught my pants down two weeks in a row. First, Jessica Rose Clark smoked. And then this past weekend, Ronnie Lawrence was just ragdolled. It wasn't even close. So I, you, you guys can do with that information what you want. If you believe in trends and all that, then just bet on Emily Ducote and be, or uh, on Jessica Panay and be done with it because she is the underdog in this fight. Personally, I think Emily can win this fight, right? I, I think she should win this fight she's very patient she picks her shots well her accurate strikes should be able to keep jessica away and prevent her from losing a clinch war because that's jessica panay's path come in here clinch 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 push 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 maybe get a takedown so i think emily can avoid that fight emily's the pick jessica has proven she could beat tough opponents this this whole curse trend thing who knows if that's gonna live on or not but emily's the pick but don't touch this fight i've learned my lesson at this point what do you think yeah, and actually that trend could go back even farther. I think it's literally like seven of the last eight weeks, and the one person that broke it was Blanchfield, who was getting destroyed in the first round by JJ. And she was a big favorite in that fight and, and found that guillotine to win that fight. So the trend could even go back even further. It's even crazier uh, than it seems. And, and in this, I, th I think that Jessica is, is pretty live in this matchup for a, for a couple reasons. One, Emily, by trade, is a wrestler. She was a high school wrestler, a state champion runner-up. So I guess not a state champion runner-up I guess that's kind of what you call it but she was a state runner-up as a high school wrestler she's also a very good striker as you mentioned as well she's very poised and very measured in her in her striking as she in her fighting in general right she will take her time and I think that works against her for two different ways first of all Jessica has gotten to the point in her career where she just wants to grapple. She just wants to turn everything into a grappling match. She'll even try to pull guard uh, against Carolina. She kind of tripped and fell, but was happy to go on her back and like was like doing this to Carolina. Like, come on, let's let's grapple, let's grapple. And Emily just got her black belt. She's a very fresh black belt, so she can grapple. But Penne is going to have the advantage probably in the just pure grappling. And the two things that worry me is Emily's wrestling background, and she just got her black belt, might not be scared to go into the guard of Panay, which is probably her best chance to win this fight. Or two, Jessica, because she is so well-versed in the grappling, might Emily might be scared to do, go into the grappling and just kind of just kind of work that distance fighting and not do enough to win a decision because I've seen fights in, of hers before where she is very very passive and she is good once she starts going but if Jessica doesn't engage and kind of you know gets the strikes on the outside she could win a weird weird decision so this is another one of those 
those first card fights where it's like, who the hell knows what's going to happen? You have a UFC newcomer versus a vet, and the vet's very, very good at one thing, and that is in the grappling game. So, you know, my pick is going to be Emily. I think that she has the wrestling to control it if it goes to the ground, but if I'm Emily... I don't go to the ground with Jessica. I try to pick her apart, wait for her to come in, counter, move away, win your decision. But, you know, we'll see what that f- happens on the, the opening fight. Uh, my pick's Emily, but I think Jessica's pretty live, honestly. I'm scared. Yeah, 100%. Don't touch this fight. You have a legitimate gambling problem if you just insist on betting on this fight. Just leave it alone. We got 12 fights to pick from. DraftKings-wise, though, I do think you may, you know— one of these women may score really well or they'll both score nothing, right? Like Jessica Panay could get those takedowns, could get some control time, and could score somewhat well. Emily, like you said, she's got some wrestling. She could work in there, get takedowns, and score really well. If you want one of them in your lineup, then just pick your side because they're evenly priced. But I will likely avoid this because I don't think there's really any chance for a stoppage. I think this is mostly Emily just picking her shots, staying away, and not getting taken down. And I don't think that scores very well in DraftKings. What do you think? Yeah, this honestly could be, I, I, I hate to play both sides. It could be, you know, I, I just said it could be a Jessica win. But this could be an absolute mauling by Emily. If she is as good as we think she is with her wrestling and her control, maybe she just goes into Jessica's guard and just is able to withstand everything and just throws elbows and just literally beats the crap out of her. So I think Emily is probably the better value because she probably is going to have some top control. She just has to wor- worry about those bottom submissions. Um, I don't like Jessica because I don't think she's going to get takedowns on her own unless Emily wants to go to the ground with her. So I think the better value is probably on Emily here. Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I probably won't touch on DraftKings, but certainly if you're confident, go for it. Money line, same thing. Don't just don't touch the money line. There's no point. There's no point. We got plenty of fights to pick from. Uh, it's too close to jump on somebody here, but the monkey knife fight strike line. The problem with Emily is she can be gun shy. She doesn't let her hands go. She is more of a counter striker. So the 66 worries me a bit, but 66 is still low for women's MMA. Just total strikes landed. This is not significant. It's literally total. And with Jessica looking to grapple, we may get some of those pot shots to drag that up. More and more is probably the monkey knife I play. What do you think? Yeah, it's just Emily's ability to to not get in firefights because she is a very good, you know, patient fighter worries me a little bit. So this is probably one I would stay away, but I think the better play is probably more and more. Yeah. If you guys want to check out monkey knife fight, it is daily fantasy. It's a ton of fun. All you need to do is say more or less in the strike line. You can triple your money. We want picks.com slash M K F. If you want to check that out, they will match your deposit. And if you want 50 bucks, we want picks.com slash bets, sign up, make a deposit. We send you $50 as a thank you. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have Dwight Grant taking on Dustin Stoltzfus. Dwight Grant is 11-5 overall, 2-3 in his last five, coming off a KO loss just last month. Dustin Stoltzfus is 13-4 overall, 2-3 in his last five, riding a three-fight skid. And Dwight Grant is a long, clean striker who uses his range well. He's got a ton of power, solid takedown defense, but questionable cardio. Dwight is on a bit of a skid, but he does remain dangerous and is stylistically impressive. He has a positive striking differential of almost one full strike and a 100% takedown accuracy. Not defense, offense accuracy. Dustin Stoltzfitz is a busy striker with very good power. He is a BJJ black belt. Jacob and I argued this fact. I have seen that he's a black belt. Wikipedia is saying otherwise. If anybody in the comment knows for a fact, let us know because there is 
He grapples like UFC a black commentators. Belt. The, the commentators said he was a black belt. Yeah, and, and literally fine. the commentator said he was a black belt in one of his fights. But anyway, uh, I think he's a UFC black belt or a BJJ black belt, and he is solid off his back, but that's not really what he's looking for. That's not really his fighting style. And it's easy to say he's on a three-fight skid with two submission losses, but the reality is, is he's had some really rough matchups, especially against grapplers. I can't stand Gerald Mearshart. But Gerald Mearshart is a very talented grappler, and you know a submission loss to him is what it is. Rodolfo Vieira, world champion grappler, a loss to his is what it is. And Kyle Dawkins, uh, you know, didn't look great in his last outing, but he's a very solid grappler as well. So yes, three losses in a row for Stolzfist, but those are three solid opponents to lose to. And it's an interesting fight because both of these guys are dangerous strikers. But they both have their flaws. Dwight can be chinny and have cardio issues. Stoltzfitz, I think he has fight IQ issues. Again, you and I argued about this offline, but the fact that he was taking Mearshart down, it, which is the only place Mearshart could have won that fight, is just such a questionable decision. So that Mearshart loss, again, does not bode well for him. If, if Mearshart took him down and submitted him, way different than you're taking down the grappler and getting submitted. That, that just... You did that to yourself. I think Dwight Grant is the overall better fighter. So he's going to be my pick. But Dustin is very, very live here, especially for a stoppage, considering Dwight was just knocked out a month ago. You know, I think the only real bet to make here is inside the distance decision, no action for Dustin Stolzfus. Because I think Dustin's chin is good enough. And, uh, you know, so I don't see him getting knocked out. I don't see him getting submitted but he can certainly put Dwight Grant away with his power and the fact that Dwight's coming off a, uh, a knockout just last month. But I, I don't know if I'm going to touch this one. What do you think, Checky boy? Uh, let me start with Dwight Grant. I, I like the way he fought in his last fight. I don't know that he, he ended up getting knocked out because of it, but that was one of the first times we've seen him really push forward and be aggressive in his fighting style. And it looked like it was kind of working and paying off for him because I think he got the, he got the knockdown early. But then you kind of saw you kind of saw why he's not aggressive because some people are naturally aggressive. And they know how to be aggressive because they know how to protect themselves and throw the strikes aggressively. He was just kind of coming forward aggressively throwing wild looping shots, his chin was in the air, and you saw him actually pay the price for that, you know, eventually that, that you know, he paid that price. He got knocked down, and then he ended up getting knocked out. Um, so in that style, I don't think it's really going to fit him, so we'll see how he comes out this fight, if he comes out too aggressive again, maybe gets caught, because as you mentioned, Dustin's got some real power, and he's kind of turned into a striker. I know the other kind of argument we had was, is what kind of game plan is, du- or is Dustin going to bring forward? What kind of fighter is he actually? I think he's a grappler. I think his trade and what he wants to do is, is grapple. But in his last three matchups, he understood that the the people he was up against were better grapplers than him. You watch the Rodolfo fight; he was kind of beating up Rodolfo. Rodolfo's got that snappy jab, so he was you know he was busted up. But I think he was kind of controlling that fight and was not looking to engage in the wrestling with Rodolfo until Rodolfo shot the takedowns and he got out of those situations until he couldn't. Right, Rodolfo's was that next level guy. Finally got his hands on him and was able to get his back and choke him out. When you look at the Gerald Mishart fight, he I think he knew that he could out-wrestle Gerald Mishart, and he was doing that for the majority of the fight. He went to the ground against Gerald and was really just kind of beating the shit out of him until Gerald does what Gerald does and loses. I mean, that was the most typical Gerald Mishart fight to where he's losing, 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 finds a submission and wins. So it was, it was some tough matchup for Dustin. 
In this matchup, I, I think you look at the biggest holes in the games for Dwight Clark or Dwight Grant, Dwight Clark, Dwight Grant, and that is in the grappling and it is in the wrestling. I think Dustin goes back to what he knows best. You know, Wikipedia lists him as a brown belt. You say he's a black belt. I think he grapples it like a black belt. So I think this is what he goes to. I think he gets the takedown, is able to control Dwight Grant on the ground. Um, and if he wants to strike as well, if he's patient enough, I think he can outstrike Dwight Grant as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm pretty high on Dustin in this matchup. It's yet to be seen if he's going to be the lock of the week, but I think the, the path to victory is just so obvious there for the grappling of Dustin. He really hasn't been able to show that off lately because of the matchups. I think he shows it off and, and is able to even get the finish in this matchup. So I'm, I'm going Dustin in this matchup, but I understand the power and length of Dwight Grant in the striking. Yeah, it's another... I, Back-to-back fights on this card could really go either way. So, Dustin Solstice, slight underdog here, but it should be a pretty entertaining fight. Honestly, this is a very good fight night card. I hate that it's early. It it's like at 11 o'clock in the morning, which is very annoying. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty we good argued fight about night that card. too, but I think, I think it literally starts at 10 a.m. Central Time, which is like, sheesh, I got to set an alarm. Yeah, that's... That right? Does, you got to set an alarm not, too, not, right? No, I'm a functioning human in society. I can't sleep uh, past... 5 a.m. You know, last last um, weekend I slept Saturday until noon and Sunday until noon. Felt great. Felt great. Congratulations. You really have a lot to wake right. up for. Just real, right. lot, like a lot. I to, took the dog out and then we both yeah. just went back to sleep till noon. <laughs> okay. Um, DraftKings, 8,900, 7,300. You know what? I think Dwight Grant wins, but I don't think he's worth 8,900 bucks. I think there's way too much risk here for him to almost be a $9,000 fighter. What do you think? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And I, I'm looking at my lineup. I said, did my lineup this morning and, um, Oh, there's my winnings from last week. Um, yes, yeah, Tulsis is, Ooh, not in my lineup, but he's, I think he's pretty good value at $7,300. $7,300. I think he's excellent value. Absolutely. And, and these DraftKings numbers don't really correlate to the betting odds. A plus plus one twenty five underdog should be like, Eight thousand dollars, seventy nine, seventy seven, yeah, seventy eight. Yeah, it should be about seventy eight, seventy seven. So, yeah, I think I think you're getting pretty good so value Kings, at seventy three hundred dollars. Yeah, absolutely. DraftKings took a real stance there, and the the monkey knife fight strike line. Listen, this is very simple to me. If you think this is a decision, go more and more. If you think one of these men gets a stoppage, it's a less less. I, I really the strike line's almost even. I could see them banging it out on their feet. I don't see Dwight initiating takedowns. Dustin, D- Dustin does average almost two takedowns per fight. So he may work some in there. You know, and he'll definitely get past 58 if he gets some takedowns. So I think it's a more more personally. But uh, what do you think of this monkey knife fight strike line? Yeah, I think it's I think it's more and more. I think I think they go at it. Dwight probably is a little bit more passive uh, after getting knocked out in his last fight. And um, there'll be some grappling exchanges as well. It's probably more and more. Yeah, well, I agree with you there. And if you guys agree and you want to check that out and play some of these lines, go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF and they will instantly match your deposit up to $100. And if you want $50 to throw at some of these fights or do whatever the hell you want with, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up, make a deposit, and we will send you $50 as a thank you. That's wewantpicks.com slash bets. Next up at UFC Long Island is one of my favorite fights on this card. We have Dustin Jacoby taking on Dau Jung. Dustin Jacoby is 17 and 5 overall, 4-0 and 1 in his last five, and he is coming off a decision win three months ago. Dau Jung is 15 and 2 overall, 
4-0-1 in his last five. And he's on a 16-fight unbeaten streak. Not 16-fight win streak, because there's a draw in there, but 16-fight unbeaten streak. Dustin Jacoby's a high-level kickboxer who will light up your legs. He'll chop down that tree early and then work to the head for a stoppage. He's very technically sound with good power and volume. And taking him down might be the obvious path to victory because he's such a good striker. But Darren Stewart, well, he took Dustin down twice and was knocked out. Ion Kutalaba took Dustin down, wait for it, nine times. And that fight went to a draw. But as great as Dustin is, he did not look great in that last fight. He won a decision. He did have a knockdown, but he looked sluggish. He did say he was injured in the post-fight interview, so hopefully whatever that was is long gone because that Dustin may have some trouble here because Da Eun Jung is a technical boxer with solid wrestling and clinch work, and he's, he's coming off two very dominant wins in a row. And what's really impressive about those wins is they were very different. They were very different from each other. In the win over William Knight, he had eight takedowns and plenty of control time. In his win over Kennedy and Chuck Wu, he had fantastic striking and got the early knockout. So we've, he's, we've seen him do everything well. We've seen him grapple well. We've seen him strike well. And now he's on that 16-fight unbeaten streak. And this is a very fun fight and a really hard pick. I love picking Dustin Jacoby because his striking is just so good. But Jung has proven to have excellent striking as well. He has also proven to have an incredible backup plan and the ability to act grapple other dangerous strikers. We haven't seen that from Dustin. He only has three takedowns in nine fights, and there isn't really a backup plan there, right? His striking has just been so good he hasn't needed to do anything else yet, but if he does need to, we don't know what he's going to do. So if you think Dustin is the better striker and has good enough takedown defense, then he's the clear pick. If you think Jung can work inside and ragdoll Dustin like he did William Knight, then he's the clear pick. Personally, I'm going with Dustin here. While the wrestling worries me, I do think Dustin's leg kicks will be the big difference here. I think he could slow Jung down, take away the movement early, and just light up those legs often. And whoever wins this is probably getting a top 10 opponent. But before I go to you, Jacob, we got some uh, donations. Bub Collins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read these in my head before I say them out loud. <laughs> you're safe on this one. I'll let you know. You're cyber at him. You're safe on these. <laughs> <laughs> Bub Collins said, good job on the sweep salamander. Thank you, Bub, very much. If you don't know what salamander is, Jacob's. Onlyfans.com um, slash the freckle only salamander. Fans name. Right it after is. this, me and Angelo go live on there. And we have a lot of fun, don't we, Angelo? Okay, that's not a true statement at all. Sinister FX with the $5 Canadian says, who's your most confident fighters, Jacob? I don't know and I'll tell you right now. This answering that question. No, I'll uh, get into it right now because I think Dustin <laughs> Jacoby, D Dustin Jacoby to me is, is at minus 130 is one of the best values on this card. And I know a lot of people are, are on Jung in the chat, but let me tell you why. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, the grand, he can just wrestle him. He can just wrestle him. He can just wrestle him. Dustin Jacoby, it's very, very hard to wrestle Dustin Jacoby. Angelo rattled off the Ian Kutalaba uh, takedown numbers. It was nine, ta eight or nine takedowns, whatever it was. If you watch that, if you, if you just look at that stats, you see nine takedowns, you're thinking, oh my God, Da Eun Jung took down William Knight. He can just take down Justin Jacoby. It'll be no problem. That's your path to victory. Watch the takedowns that Ian Kutalaba, and he's a very good wrestler, by the way. Kutalaba is a very good wrestler, very good grappler. Dustin Jacoby was never on his back. 
He was taken down to his knees, got back up. He was taken down, dragged to his knees, got back up. There was never a time in that fight where he was actually taken down on his back, submitted to the takedown, pulled guard, and, and, and was able to, and was working from there. He is a very, very tough guy to take down because he knows the only path to victory for people against him is to take him down because he is going to be the better striker than 95% of this division. And and Donun Jung, you know, hats off to him for, for the people he's fought and the wins he's got. But Dustin Jacoby is not Sam Alvey. Dustin Jacoby is not William Knight. Dustin Jacoby is not Kennedy Nechekwu. He is a next-level striker, and he is going to be the much, much, much better striker than Dong Eun Jung in, in this matchup. And Dong Eun Jung, when he strikes, is a, is a flat-footed guy. He will just stand in front of you. Dustin Jacoby will light your ass up if you just stand in front of him. He looked awful, was hurt, could not train for his last fight, and he still won a striking match. It was close, but he literally said, I, I was so hurt. He couldn't throw kicks. He's very known for throwing kicks. He couldn't throw kicks, and his cardio was shit, and he still won the fight versus a very, very good opponent. This guy is going to destroy Da Eun Jung. If he's shooting for legs, he's not going to get the takedowns. If he tries to strike, he's probably going to get knocked out or just lose a bad, bad decision. I am Dustin Jacoby all the way in this matchup. All right, well, he got his $5 worth. Um, listen, I, I agree with you. I, I, what does worry me is we've seen Daun Jung do everything well. That's what worries me. So, But the level you know, of opponents he's doing against is like, come on. And I know you're going to say William Knight's well, a wrestler and stuff, but I mean— Jesus, I don't even care seen. about William Knight's wrestling ability. He is a wrestler, like by trade, wrestling in high school, had some success. It's not even that. It's that he— the William's strength, athleticism, and power meant nothing. Meant nothing. We no, just pushed I, him around like he didn't exist. No, and I, and I, yeah, if there's a moment in this fight where Dustin Jacoby's flat on his back, I think that's probably big trouble. I just don't think he's going to get into that situation because sure. Dustin Jacoby's so good in his striking with his kicks, with his knees. He's going to be throwing stuff up the middle when, when Dustin Jung's looking for those takedowns. There's going to be a knee sitting there waiting. Um, I, you know, but if he is a flat on his back, you know, I, that's going to be big problems. I just don't think he's going to be able to get taken down. Sure. Yeah, and people in the chat are saying William Knight is not a wrestler. That's just literally a false statement. He wrestled his entire life, wrestled in high school. The state that I'm from, I know people he wrestled. He's an actual wrestler. So you're just going to make false statements in the comment like you know what you're talking about. You do not know what you're talking about. That is an incorrect statement. And you should apologize to the rest of the people. It's embarrassing. You should be embarrassed. Anyway, 8,379. I agree. I like Dustin here. The minus 130 um, money line. Honestly, that's it's tempt. It is very tempting because I do think he's the better fighter. I may hop on that Dustin Jacoby money line at minus one thirty. Eighty three hundred dollars in DraftKings. He's probably worth it. He's probably worth it. I don't know if there's a stoppage, but I think he scores somewhat well in those striking wins because you know there's some decent volume. He's gotten plenty of knockdowns. Those are ten points each. So you know, eighty three hundred bucks. It's it's probably worth it, but I don't expect to stop a chair. What do you think? Uh, yeah, he's. I uh, just checked my line. He's definitely in my lineup. Um, and Mr. Savage says I think he will easily take. Uh, go watch the Eon Kutalaba fight versus Dustin Kobe. And look how hard Kutalaba was working for those takedowns. And I know he got nine takedowns, but uh, Jacoby was never down on the ground. You guys need to watch that fight. Do your fucking research. Well, this is a lot of people's research. They just listen to what we say, and then they yell at us and if, right. if it doesn't go the way that they expect it to. But, um, you know, interesting fight. I'm, I'm looking forward to it more so than, than almost any other fight on this card. Um, 
Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 75, 65. The reason the 75 is so tricky is because he can light up your legs and he can touch up your legs, but 75 is a lot of strikes for a couple of male light heavyweight kickboxers. That's a lot. What do you think of the Monkey Knife? No, I think, I think it's more. I think Dustin comes out, especially because of the performance of last fight. I think he needs, I think he tries to show people um, who he really is and, and comes out and really starts light up. And, and Donald Jung is a tough opponent, can strike as well. So I think they really go after it. Because Dakobi's not a, a put you away guy. He's he's, comf- he's comfortable with just kickboxing, right? And just pointing and pointing at the shots there, it's there. But I think it's probably a more and more play. Yeah, it could be. If you guys feel confident about that, go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF and they will instantly match your deposit. It's daily fantasy. It's a ton of fun. It's an app on your phone and you can do it all night right before the fight start. And if you want 50 free bucks, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our betting partners, make a deposit, and we will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have Bill Algeo taking on Herbert Burns. Bill Algeo is 15 and 6 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, alternating wins and losses. Herbert Burns is 11 and 3 overall. Four and one in his last five, coming off a TKO loss two full years ago. And this fight is a new fight for the card. So both Bill Algeo and Herbert Burns were on the card with different opponents. Their opponents dropped, and the UFC said, well, screw it, you two can fight each other. So there's no short notice factor here as far as like training camp is concerned, but styles make fights and stylistically there have been some opponent changes and that could affect these guys uh if they're preparing for one fighter and they're getting another bill algeo is a fast-paced striker who has kind of a karate style stance and like where he keeps his hands and things like that and because of that he's got some solid defense and surprisingly high output with almost six significant strikes per minute he likes a dirty stand-up war if he can keep it there He does have some okay takedowns, but he has a low 44% takedown accuracy. He's got a BJJ black belt, great cardio, at a fast pace, and he's super durable. Herbert Burns is the younger brother of Gilbert Burns, and not that being related to anybody means that you're going to be any good, like look at Valentina and Antonina Shevchenko, but it does mean that you're around quality coaching, quality opponents, high-level training partners, and that it's been like that for a while. Similar to what we said about Eamon Sahabi last week for UFC Vegas 58, right? Like his his brother is a very good coach and he's just been around that coaching forever and he looked good. So Herbert Burns could benefit from the people around him. And while Herbert is not nearly as good as his brother is, he's a solid fighter. He's a solid grappler. He's got decent power in his hands. He averages freaking almost five takedowns per 15 minutes. And even though we have not seen him fight in two full years, He does have quality wins over grapplers like Evan Dunham and Derek Minner. The problem is that he can at times be some. Yeah, there you go. uh, Lots of bums beat Derek Um, Minner. Lots of bums. Nice one. Nice Um, way to edit that off really well. Go ahead. I'm not gonna there. I'm not gonna talk about that absolute clown show Ryan Hall every show. Anyway, oh Ryan Hall, you said Ryan Hall. Oh. The problem with Herbert Burns is that he can be submission or bust. He's very dangerous on the ground, but, you know, and he has solid submission defense, but anybody who also has solid submission defense can leave Herbert on his back, just losing minutes, losing rounds, and then eventually losing the fight. Get that out of here, dude. 
Bill Algeo's win over Joanderson Brito was really impressive. He doubled the number of strikes. He went two for two on takedowns, and he had five minutes of control time. He also defended two takedowns, and he was the busier fighter overall in three rounds. And I only bring this up because Joe Anderson Brito is very good. He's very active, and I think beating him means something. So MMA math is almost meaningless, but wins over solid opponents is not. And if Algeo can bring that same pressure, the wrestling defense, and that energy into this fight, I think he wins. I think his BJJ black belt should keep him out of trouble. And his striking should cause some trouble. So Burns is coming back after that two-year layoff. And while I'm sure he's going to be well-prepared, I don't think Algeo is going to give him the broom, the room or time to catch his breath or adjust. So Algeo's the pick. I'm glad the UFC was able to keep these guys on the card. And I actually grabbed Algeo at minus 160 money line last week. And I know you and I disagree on that. So, oh, yeah. Hold on. We have a new member. Welcome, Patrick Shelley, to membership. You qualify for that. Jacob's $50 Lock of the Week giveaway. Why now shouldn't I have get, said that? <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm just trying to get in your head now. I'm just making you try to second oh, guess I was going to say, of all the... <laughs> you were like, why fight? shouldn't I said that? Like, oh, God. Um, is it my breakdown time? I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that there was a transition. I'm, I'm just it sure I'm just is. So Herbert, Herbert Burns is a guy that before this, before his last fight, he had he's had two year layoff. Obviously, I, I think Angelo mentioned that. But and before that, I mean, just got his ass beat by Daniel Pineda. He missed weight for that fight. <laughs> um, that was a, a bad, bad overall performance for him. And honestly, when I look back at that fight, I rewatched that fight. I think that might be the best thing for his career because he was just running through people. Up to that point, I mean, four first round finishes. Uh, we really didn't not, didn't have anyone that would came up against him that was any sort of threat. So I think he was getting a little lazy, getting a little sloppy. I think that was an opportunity to really refocus him and show you know there's there's levels to this game and to, and to take that next level. Maybe take some time off and 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 work on my game. And if you look at the Instagram, I did the I always do the Instagram deep dives. It looks like he's in the best shape I've ever seen him in. Um, and I think that the camps with um, Gilbert are going to help him tremendously because as you grow, I think as a camp grows, I think all the fighters in a camp kind of grow together. Obviously, he's brothers with Gilbert Burns. And Gilbert Burns in the last two years when with Herbert Burns being out has looked better than he's ever looked. The guy almost became the champion. He knocked down Usman, obviously ended up getting, losing that fight. And then everyone didn't think he had a shot in hell versus Chimaev and, and didn't look great in that matchup, but he had moments in that in, in that fight where it was like, holy shit, Gilbert Burns is like the truth. And Herbert's been side by side with him up to this point. I'm going to go Herbert Burns' matchup, but it's more because Bill Algeo is not a dangerous guy, right? He's a decision machine. He's he's not a, a threat on the feet. He wins fights on the feet, as you mentioned, with, with the pace, the pressure. He turns everything into a brawl. He, make the, he makes things nasty, and that's how he kind of wears people down. Can he do that to Herbert Burns? I think he probably can. I think the path to victory, that's why he's the favorite. And you putting money line on Bill Algeo, I don't disagree with that, right? Because you, you can see that path to victory. He just needs to overwhelm him and, and break him down cardio-wise. But if this gets to the ground, you know, the way that Joe Anderson Brito was able to control certain positions versus Bill Algeo, and I know Joe Anderson Brito is a, is a good grappler himself, but he's not on the level that Herbert Burns is. If Herbert Burns gets, gets you down on the ground and gets your back, and I know that Bill Algeo is a very experienced black belt, he's going to be in a big, big trouble in the matchup. So I watched the Brito fight. I see the layoff of Herbert Burns. I think he's going to use it to, those two years coming off the embarrassing loss, missing weight, 
being around Gilbert for the two years, I think this is going to be the best Herbert Burns you're going to see coming in this matchup against a guy that just frankly is not very dangerous unless he's on the ground and has the grappling advantage. And in this fight, I don't think he does. So um, my pick is going to be Herbert Burns. I don't feel great about it. It's not like a super, like, oh, definitely lock of the week pick because Bill Algea has that pack to victory. But I think it finds a way to the ground, and Herbert Burns is dangerous down there. So um, uh, my pick is going to be Herbert Burns, but I don't disagree with the Bill Algeo money line play. Yeah, I definitely think Herbert's live. And anytime you get a talented fighter with that kind of layoff, you don't know what you're going to get. You just don't know, right? Like, who knows what he's going to look like? He could come out looking like a killer, or he can just, you know, it's just a dud, right? He showed up for a paycheck, and he's going to be a slug. We, we don't know, right? So you have and to I have And I have my notes, sorry, that just, he, I have my notes real quick. I, I think that whoever ends up on top in the scramble is going to win because you saw Herbert Burns in the guard versus Pineda just get the absolute shit beat out of him. Um, if he's on top, I think he wins. If Bill Algeo is able to win some scrambles and end up on top, I think he can control those positions as well. So it's not necessarily they go to the ground, Burns is going to win. Uh, Algeo's got his shots as well on the scrambles. Yeah, I mean, uh, DraftKings wise, I I actually I think Algeo wins. I have to look a little closer at how he scores in DraftKings, right? I want to see what he scores in his fights because, like you said, he's not very dangerous. So, eighty seven hundred bucks. While I do think he wins, I don't think he's going to get a stoppage per se. So that's you know I'm I'm leaving points on the table there, and he's just have to land a ton of strikes because he's not going to be looking for his own takedown. So it's really just strikes only. And Herbert Burns could get some takedowns and still lose this fight and just end up on top with some control time, win a round or two. And all of a sudden, that $7,500, if you think Herbert wins, is not, not a bad price. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of uh, favorites on this card that I don't... I was looking at my DraftKings today when I was setting my lineup. I'm like, holy shit. Like, even the favorites that I think are going to win, I don't think they're going to score very well for DraftKings. So, yeah, I don't love the $8,700, obviously, because I picked Herbert Burns. But uh, that's decent value, $7,500 for Burns. But I don't know if I trust him enough for my lineup. He's not in my lineup right now. Yeah, frankly, this might be a double-up-the-main event kind of card. But uh, Monkey, Night Fight, Strike Line, 95 to 48. Those numbers are interesting because you know he, Chris puts those numbers together. It's just math. How long is this fight expected to go and how many strikes do they normally land per minute? Frankly, Bill Algeo does land 95 and a half strikes. Like he lands a lot. His output is insane. Just constantly, constantly pressuring. So I think this might be a more, more, but in order for Herbert to get to that 48, he's going to need a couple of takedowns. And Bill Algeo's takedown defense is not amazing. His submission defense is solid. His takedown defense is not amazing. So I see Bill lighten Herbert up the first round. Second round, Herbert might get a takedown, uh, you know, as he falls into a rhythm. And uh, or frankly, it could be the opposite as well. But I think it's a more and more, even though those lines are super far apart. I think it's a war, and I think it's more and more. What do you think? I hate those lines. I hate them. All right. I'm, well, not, I'm not going to say anything. I hate Jacob's them. not going to touch them. Fuck you, Chris. All right. Jacob's not going to touch those lines. <laughs> Uh, if you're confident in either side, realmpicks.com slash. Okay. Very clever. Um, you guys want 50 free bucks? You can take that, spend it on a therapist after listening to this creep, say creep things. Go to realmpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit. We send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have the People's Main Event. This is the main event. Similar to UFC 276, 
where everybody said Sean Strickland versus Alex Pajeda should be the main event. Like that was the fight everybody was excited for. Very similar situation here, right? Ricky Simone versus Jack Shore. This should be the big dog fight, not the main card, not the main event, but certainly on the main card. We got Ricky Simone at 19 and three overall, four and one in his last five, riding a four fight win streak and coming off a KO win. Jack Shore, 16 and 0, 5 and 0 in his last five, obviously. And he's coming off a great win over a really tough team, Revaliev. And Ricky Simone, it's Simone, it's not Simon. I Listen, I've, I've done so much research on these peoples and their names. I, it's, I, I hate when I hear people mispronounce names. It, I can't it just stand brings either. disgust. Jangelo. It's just disgusting. It's disgusting. Uh, Ricky Simone, you know what's funny? In my notes, Bodidi. I literally, I write Simone. Has anyone ever called S-I- you Bodidi? Bodidi? I've Bodidi? been called everything, mostly favorable things. Say everything. But anyway, before called. I jump. Bitch. Pussy. My, my notes where I write uh, their names, it says Ricky, S-I-M-O-N-E, Simone. So I don't say Simon by accident. There you go. Ricky Simone. He's a high-energy wrestling beast. The guy is just going to dive at leg after leg with 100% energy, and he is not going to stop. He'll get the takedowns. If you get up, he's just going to do it again. Just literally non-stop. And potentially, he'll get a submission in there. He's a solid grappler on top of his wrestling. His biggest asset is certainly his gas tank and his willingness to stick to a game plan. He's not a technical striker, but it is there to set up his takedowns, and he was able to showcase his power against the Sun Sao in his last fight. He can be hittable, but so far, his chin has held up. Jack Shore is a very good grappler who likes to move forward, and he's constantly looking for his own takedowns. Both wrestling and striking are similar, come-forward, busy styles. He also has a surprisingly fast kicks for a grappler. It's always funny seeing these grapplers with really solid kicks, but he is one of them. And while he remains undefeated, he is coming off a close win over Team Revalia, where he only went three for seven on his takedowns, and he was taken down twice himself. And... I'm torn on this fight. I really am. Both of these guys are very good grapplers and lately have shown some solid striking as well. Simone, with an E, is coming off the KO win over Rafael Sunsau, who is yeah, a little past his prime, but that's a tried and true veteran. And Jack Shore dropped Team Revaliev twice in his last fight. And right now, these odds have Jack Shore as a pretty good-sized favorite. I personally think... This is a razor-thin fight. This should be a pick I am surprised at these odds. Uh, I honestly think I like Ricky Simone here. If you dig into their wins, I think Ricky has the better wins over the higher-quality opponents. Two wins that stand out to me. One is over Marab Davishvili, and the other is over Ronnie Yaya. In the Marab fight, Ricky was taken down six times, but he gave up less than three minutes of control time, and he was able to defend... 16 takedowns. So if you think Jack Shores is going to come in here, take him down over and over, no, no issues, no problems. Well, Davishvili had some issues there. And the other win is Ronnie Yaya. He had four takedowns of his own, two knockdowns, two 10-8 rounds against very dangerous vets. So Jack Shores, very good. He's coming off a great win, but I think Ricky Simone's pressure, experience, and pace will be the difference here. I like Ricky Simone. What the hell are you doing? Go ahead. Why are you sitting like that? Very annoying. Jesus, Mary. I like you're doing this. I thought somebody donated like a hundred dollars because you're. Oh, uh, I was like, doing oh this because you because of your pick. I was uh, flabbergasted. 
What an absolute buffoon. Ricky Simone's the pick. I think the bet here, though, is a plus three and a half. If you don't know what that is, we buy a round on the judges' scorecard. I absolutely think Ricky Simone can win a round. Absolutely. If he can get his wrestling off first, he can win a round. And that's all I need him to do is go out there in real life, win one round. I'll buy one round on the judges' scorecard through the bookie. And uh, I'll get paid. So I don't know what those odds are, but I'm probably going to jump on that. You're only going to get that buy a round bet if you go to weonpicks.com slash bets. BetOnline is the one partner that offers it. I'm probably going to jump on that, make some money. If you guys want to follow, we'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. And I just saw in the comments, Wendy Willis said the plus three and a half is minus 200. That's honestly not terrible. All he has to do is win one single round. What do you think, Jakey Bo? You people are obsessed with Jack Shore, by the way. This is so annoying. What do you well, think? Well, I, I, hopefully I'm the, the voice of reason here because you know, Angela, you can you can tell me if I'm wrong. There's nobody that loves Ricky Simone more than me. Ricky Simone is my fucking dude. I love Ricky Simone. Watch all our breakdowns, past breakdowns for Ricky Simone. Ricky Simone is my dude. The guy is relentless. He is a little cannonball that just runs across doesn't give a fuck is gonna get either takedowns or throw bombs and just does not care and in this matchup i honestly think you know i don't disagree with with the ricky simone pig I, I here's how it's gonna play out he cannot beat jack shore for three rounds you, you cannot beat jack shore for three i mean he's not gonna win a decision versus jack shore i just i just don't see that path in my mind at all. Jack Schwartz is too well-rounded and too good everywhere. Maybe he gets a takedown here. Maybe he wins your bet. He wins the round, whatever. You're not going to win a decision versus Jack Schwartz. He's just too good. He's too patient. He's too technical. He's just too good everywhere to win a decision versus Jack Schwartz. So if you're Ricky Simone in this fight and you have the energy, the power, I think you sell out round one. I honestly think you come in, you sell out round one, take it as a a one-round fight, you try to bait him into an absolute war and try to get him out of there the first round because I don't see a, a world except for maybe Uranus where, where Ricky Simone is able to win a decision versus Jack Shore. I think he's probably going to have to find a finish and his best, best opportunity is to just go across and try to overwhelm him early. And I love Ricky Simone. And I think if he does that, there is that path where maybe Batesman to War finds that, that opportunity. But Jack Shore, he's so good with his counter-striking. He's so good with his counter-wrestling in his scrambles. He's good with his jiu-jitsu, his opportunistic jiu-jitsu. That, you know, I just don't see, you know, Ricky's my dude. And I love Ricky. I just think it's a bad, bad matchup. I think it's good that he's getting this next step and this next level of competition. And he's going to learn from this. I just don't see a, a world uh, other than like a weird knockout or something where, where Ricky Simone can beat Jack Shore. He's just so good. He should see everything coming his way as far as the striking, the takedowns. The guy is very, very good, man. There's a reason why he's an undefeated fiver, fi fighter. Uh, fighter. I'm glad that the odds do show some respect for Ricky. I, I, when I saw this matchup, I thought that Jack Shore was going to be like a minus 250, a minus 200. So the odds makers are showing some, some respect for Ricky Simone, but... I mean, this is a Jack Shore all the, all, uh, play all the way, uh, unfortunately, for Ricky. Yeah, listen, I think Jack Shore is very good. I see people in the comments saying, Angelo, no, I think he's very, very good. But this is grappler versus grappler, straight up. And I think Ricky will be first to engage the grappling. I think, like you said, he's going to bomb and dive at legs. He doesn't care. And the win that Ricky had over Marab Devishvili is is what helped me with this pick because... Marab took him down six 
times. Ricky defended 16 other takedowns. And if Jack Shore comes out here with that same game plan, Ricky could have that same success. Yeah, take him down a few times. But he doesn't accept the takedown. He just pops right back up. And and name an incredible wrestler that Jack Shore beat. Well, his you last can't. fight he beat. He him. hasn't. Well, Timur Valiev didn't really wrestle in that Timur and he didn't really wrestle in that fight. Because he knew he couldn't wrestle. He, I mean, he took he took down, down Jack, I, I think, a couple times. But I, I think that he knew that he was going to lose there. And he did. He lost some scrambles and he lost some positions because of that. I see Ricky maybe getting a couple takedowns. But Jack is so good in scrambles and finding a way to come out on top of every single position that I just... I just don't see, but I will say. Let me first of all. This should be the, the fact that this. I don't even know if it's the feature prelim. It's the most. I I tweeted. It's gotten like 400 likes or something. Jack Shore's dad actually retweeted it because I, I said it's the most disrespectful. This should either open up the main card or be the co-main. Super super disrespectful for both these guys that this is on the the prelims at all. No, I listen. I I agree with you. I'm absolutely looking forward to this fight. I hope it's a. I, I hope it's either a war or an, a mauling by one of them. Right? I hope it's an absolute drag him out war. Or if Jack Shore wins, I hope he destroys Ricky so that we can be like, holy crap, Jack Shore is the real deal. You know what I mean? And yeah, I know no, a lot I, of you I people feel that. that way already. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know a lot of you people feel that way. And, and I, think, I think Jack Shore is very good as well. But it's grappler versus grappler. And just look at... Look at the stats. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I wouldn't Ricky, mind being wrong on this. Ricky wastes Ricky's no mind. time grappling. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind being wrong. This is one of those fights where I, I'll definitely be when the fight starts. I'm going to be rooting for Ricky 100. I love that dude. Love that dude. And Ricky wastes zero time. Zero. He just will start grappling immediately. So I think that's the difference here, right? Grappler versus grappler. It might end up a weird striking match, or it might just be whoever takes the first shot's going to win that fight. Just I think you turned the chat waiting. too. There's a lot of people now saying, "Yeah, I think it's probably close." Jack Shore hasn't fought anyone. They're coming so we'll out to defend happens. me because everybody else was a hater. Anyway, seventy eight hundred bucks, eighty four hundred bucks. I think there's real value on Ricky Simone. We're talking five points per takedown in DraftKings. Five points per takedown in DraftKings. He's gonna get some. He's not gonna. He's not gonna get shut out in takedowns. That's for sure. Especially if you think Ricky wins this fight, I think seventy hundred dollars is great value. I also think eighty four hundred dollars is great value. Everybody that thinks Jack Shore is going to literally, you guys are writing, mop the floor with Ricky Simone. And this might look like last week's Kakramanov versus Ronnie Lawrence fight. That is possible that it looks like that. Wasn't that somebody's direction. lock of the week? Didn't uh, somebody say uh, Kakramanov was like a lock? It might be. You know how like grocery stores have special people bagging groceries? We do that mm -hmm. here with picks. I allow my special friend to come on here and make picks and... Sometimes he says the right things, and sometimes he licks the window. Are you schizophrenic? You're going to get. You have a special friend. Do you have a Do you have a pet rock? I, I don't even. <laughs> okay. The monkey knife fight strike line. <laughs> the monkey knife fight strike line. Um, sixty to eighty-seven. I'm not a hundred percent positive what to do with this strike line. I'm sure I will get nothing meaningful out of you. So, uh, you know, yeah, it, it for, may for be Jack Shore is in my DraftKings, just so you know. Yeah, uh, he's phenomenal. They're both great. This is a great price point for both of these guys. Phenomenal agree, price I point. I agree for both of them. Whoever wins is gonna is gonna be worth the money. Absolutely. Um, I don't know what to do with the monkey knife fight strike line, guys. This I'm not gonna. I don't know what to do. You guys, let me know what you think. If they're going to land more or less than the strikes you see on the screen. 
And I mentioned more, I'm more. probably going to be doing that plus three and a half bet on Ricky. You like more and more. The problem is if there is that much grappling, I don't know when their hands are going to be hitting. That's that's my only concern with the more and more. I mean, this could be a wrestler-wrestler where they just strike the whole time. Jack Shore is comfortable with striking. I know Ricky will throw some heat as well. So uh, maybe these guys just kind of uh, – it's like one takedown each per round, but then they just get after it with the hands. Yeah, it'll be a fun fight. I, either way, I'm looking forward to it. And, and Jack Shore is very good. People – it's so funny, man. You make a pick and everyone's like, you're an idiot. How can you? It's like, dude, I got pick Sh- yeah, I gave Jack you my Shore's logic. A- yeah, and, and Jack Shore is one of those typical guys that never looks like he's like super dominant, but he just keeps on winning, man. So he's one of those guys I can see when you watch him, you're like, this guy's undefeated, but he just keeps winning. Well, I'm surprised they have him on this and not on UFC London too, but. Whatever. Big. Uh, I bet they are really regretting that now that the till dr- fight dropped and stuff. This would be a great one to uh, kind of bump up on the main card. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have a Punahil Soriano taking on Dalcha Lungambula. And I'm positive I'm pronouncing Punahil's name wrong because I had all sorts of comments with it. It's a Punahele. I'm not doing Punahele. that. Punahele. Punahil Soriano, 8-2 overall, 3-2 in Bonani. his last five. And he is riding a two-fight loss streak. Jesus, dude. Dalcha Lungambula, 11-4 overall, 2-3 in his Listen, last I five. Whatever. I'm, I, 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 11 and 0. I do what I want this week. He's coming off that submission loss to Cody Brundage. Punahil Soriano is a fluid striker who has a ton of power and can put most people out on their feet. He was a D3 All-American wrestler, and he does have four takedowns in the UFC, but that includes three in one fight against Jamie Pickett in his Contender Series win. He's coming off that loss to Nick Maximov where his striking was on point, but he was taken down an incredible 11 times. So Punahil is a very dangerous striker. But he can be first round or bust. Dolce Lungambula is a short powerhouse who's fast and dangerous. He comes forward with insane power and pressure. He can also grapple when needed. We saw his grappling in his fight against Marc-Andre Barrault, where he had two takedowns. And in his UFC debut against Daquan Townsend, where he had four takedowns before an eventual KO. We also saw it in his last fight, though, against Cody Brundage, where he was dominating Probably going to get a stoppage, and then he just decided to take a poorly timed shot, and he was caught in a guillotine. Bad decision-making cost him that fight. Punahil's a 2-1 to one favorite, and he's flexing. He's now minus 240. Uh, in this fight, I am surprised. Both of these guys are very dangerous striking, and I know Puna is a D3 All-American wrestler, but he doesn't use it. He doesn't use it very often at all, and now we know his takedown defense is not very good at all. Dolce looked great in his last fight. He moved to Sanford MMA for that camp and he made improvements. He has such insane power that it just looks like every little strike does damage. Even little pot shots while defending takedowns look like they hurt people and just force people to let go of whatever they're doing. So, man, I might be heading down the wrong path here, but I like Dolce in this fight. I think he has more power, better takedown defense. I think he can keep his power longer in the fight, second round, third round. I've got a half of a unit, only a half a unit money line bet. I'm probably going to jump on the Dolce Lungambula wins inside the distance decision, no action bet. Because if Punahil's not putting you on the first round, he's not putting you out. And I think that might be a solid bet here. I don't know what the odds are. I'll have to check that out. Um, if you want a bet like that, a cushion bet, if it goes to a decision, you get your money back. If Dolce wins by KO or TKO, you get paid. 
Bet Online is the only partner of ours that has that bet. So go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit. We'll send you 50 bucks and it's Bet Online that offers the inside the distance decision to action. What do you think, Jakey boy? Too many underdogs on this card? No, you know, I don't I don't hate the the value play for that, right? I, I'm not going to pick Dolce as a pick. But as far as value goes, I think Soriano being anything more than a two to one is just insane uh, for this matchup because Dolce does have real real power, and this is probably going to be a striking matchup. Yeah, I see these odds that you know, I think Soriano probably should be the favorite, but this is like a minus one thirty, minus one fifty, something like that. So anything you know worse than that, you know, I, I don't mind the value for Dolce. As far as inside the distance decisional action, I could see that as well. The thing that would worry me on that bet, bet is more of like the like an exhaustion TKO that Soriano would kind of like just kind of overwhelm him late second into the third, and there's a, like a, you know up against a fence, like not necessarily put away, but the ref stops it because he's tired. Because that's why he shot that takedown versus Cody Brunage, right? He was just laying into him, laying into him, big shots, big shots, couldn't put him away. So he thought, you know what, let me take him down. I'm an I'm experienced wrestler. He's actually like a world wrestling grappling champion. He's like a, He was on the, on the judo national team. So he's very well-versed in all mixed martial arts along with the power. And I think he thought, let me take him down, get my breath, and then we'll go back at and try to get the finish and just kind of got caught um, in that exchange. But he really was beating the shit out of Cody. If you're Soriano in this matchup, I think the odds are crazy. You got to respect the power from Dolce. Soriano is one of those guys that really kind of likes to throw power. And in this matchup, to beat Dolce, I think you just got to touch him, right? I think you just got to touch him, kickbox him, point him, touch him, wait for, him to, for that power to fade out of the first round, right? The, the the big muscles start filling up with blood. He's throwing you know more looping shots. And then you can start laying in a little bit more power shots. But if Soriano comes in in this first round after back-to-back losses and, and tries to knock out this guy... I mean, he could find himself in some big, big trouble. So, you know, my pick is going to be Soriano for this matchup. I think he can be more technical than Dolce and win that way. But this is a dangerous fight for him. And if he just comes in and thinks he's going to knock out Dolce, he could find another thing coming because Dolce's got other tricks in his bag as well. Like I mentioned, the judo, the wrestling, the grappling. Uh, maybe he goes to that in this matchup and is able to dominate Soriano. So I don't I don't disagree with you, with your, your value play in the bet for Dolce. My pick is going to be Soriano because I think he's just a little bit better in the striking. But... It's a dangerous play for Soriano, man. It's a, a dangerous, dangerous fight. Yeah, and let's not forget that Brendan Allen outstruck Soriano. Outstruck. Yeah, and I watched. Yeah, and I wa- Yeah, I watched that fight, and, and obviously Soriano had the power. Was you know would lay into Brendan Allen. You could see the power there, but absolutely was outstruck by Brendan Allen in that matchup. Yeah, and like he obviously has power, but Sam Alvey dropped Brendan Allen. Dropped him. Poonheel didn't. So, you know, and I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just putting in perspective that while on paper, Puna Heels, he's probably the better striker. He's definitely the better wrestler. He doesn't really use the wrestling, and he's first round or bust with his striking. Uh, $5 super chat. I'm going to read it before I say it out loud. Here we go. $5 super chat. Put this towards a bet against Jacob. He needs to be humble. You want to bet on this one? Um, we usually do more than no. $5, though. Okay. I think he's just betting against you in life. And, okay. you know, frankly, you already lost that bet. Stand up. Show everybody how short you are. Well, I could, but. Nope. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, $9,200. Do you think Puna Heel's that big of a favorite here? Hell no. Yeah, that's the problem. And this is a tough week with DraftKings. $9,200. He's one of the biggest favorites on the entire card. This is a tricky card. Yes, Red in the back. Uh, 
Go ahead. He's gone. He's gone again. Uh, I, I'm just going to move on. Okay, I'm moving on. I thought you, well, you called on, so I didn't, I didn't hear you. No, I, uh, Dolce's in my lineup, just so you know. I think it's uh, okay. You know, I think it's decent value. Yeah. Um, Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 55 to 49. You know, listen, if there's legit power and somebody gets put out, then it's going to be a big less-less. I do think there's some touching here. I think it goes a little longer, probably second round, maybe even third uh, it's it might be more and more with this monkey knife fight strike line, but is this a one and a half or a two and a half round fight? Let me look for you real quick. It is a one and a half. You can get the over one and a half for minus one sixty, or you can get the under one and a half for plus one thirty. Oh God, the wall of shame voice. I think it's um. I I, I like the over one and a half. That's a solid bet. I think this does go. Uh, although Punahil and Dolce both have nasty power. If you guys want to check out Monkey Knife Fight, they also have prop games. It's not just guessing the strike line. They also have a game called Knockout Kings. And if any, you can pick any three fighters. And if one of them wins by KO or TKO, you get paid two wins. You get paid even more. You could potentially double this up. You may get a knockout in this fight. Yeah, what do you want? What do you want? Uh, you said inside the distance decisional action for Dolce? Yes. Is that, what you, is that your bet? Plus 215. I didn't bet it yet. Plus 215. Okay. Ooh. That could be excited. Juicy, juicy. That'll put some hair on your balls. I'm going to stay seated for that. So I may jump on that as well. Guys, we have a free Discord. It's 100% free. There is a link in the description. Join the free Discord. Share your picks. Share your bets. You guys want to, like, call us names when you disagree with a pick? I don't give a shit. Do that. But also, it's us against the books, you idiots. It's not us against you or you against each yeah, other. Yeah, idiots. It's all of us all you collectively chat, against you the books. stupid assholes. Screw all of you. I hate you all. Could call me names. Who's this? There's one buffoon is just nonstop calling me names right now. I think it's Lil Seal. Where is he? Well, I think it's all of them, no, actually. It's not. I think they all hate you. Is it? Uh, when I see it again, I'll mention it. Now everybody's just going to call me names. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have the main card opener. Speaking of Long it is Island. A, we have a... That doesn't even... <laughs> oh, it, it knows. Like it's not, the chat okay. knows. Speaking okay. of Long anyway, Island, we have Misha we've got Tate. Lauren Murphy, we've got Lauren Murphy taking on Misha Tate at Flyweight, and this fight was rebooked from UFC 276 because Lauren Murphy had covid Lauren Murphy's 15 and five overall, but four and one in her last five. And she's coming off that loss to Shevchenko in a title fight eight months ago. Misha Tate, 19 and eight overall, two and one in her last five, three and two. If you encounter her insanely dominant performance on Celebrity Big Brother. I don't know if you guys watched that, but she ran that show. Did you watch that season? I didn't. Oh, man. Dude, she won every challenge and the show. It was incredible what she did. Anyway, Celebrity Big Brother. Misha Tate, she came back after a five-year layoff, and now she's one and one in her return to the UFC, and she's making her flyweight debut. In her first fight back, she looked great. It looked like she was the best shape she had ever been in. She had clean takedowns and a finish, but in her last fight, 
She went one for six in takedown attempts, and she was just a step behind in the striking, and that's what lost her that decision. Misha Tate's a very good wrestler and grappler with technical striking. People forget that she is the former bantamweight champion of the world. She's pretty good everywhere, including jiu-jitsu off her back, and that is how she won the belt. She submitted Holly off Holm off her back. Lauren Murphy is coming off that title loss to Valentina Shevchenko, but it's important to remember she legitimately earned that law, that win. Sorry, that fight. It wasn't like they just put that together because Valentina smoked everybody. Lauren Murphy put together five solid wins in a row to earn that title shot, but she was she was <laughs> beat pretty bad in that fight. But Lauren's a grinder. She's gritty. She's tough. She has incredible will and determination. She's just going to stick to a game plan. Wrestling and just muscle clinch work is her skill set. But her strongest asset is absolutely her sheer will, sheer will to win. Her striking's a bit sloppy, but it is there, and it's in your face. Lauren's only path to victory in this fight, as is every other fight that she's in, is to just really bully. Bully, bully, bully. But the question is, can she bully Misha Tate? Because Misha, at 125, might be massive. We're not sure, right? She's a 135-pounder. Was decent size there, looked jacked in her first fight back, and now she's dropping down 10 pounds. So we don't know if Lauren Murphy's going to be able to push her around. It's a really tough fight to pick because, again, it's Misha's first fight at flyweight. So I have no idea how strong she'll be, what her cardio is going to be like. Is she going to be slower? I, we just don't know yet. So instead of trying to figure out what Misha's going to look like, let's look at who beat Lauren Murphy and how they beat her. And she's got five losses in the UFC. Shevchenko dominated the striking and the grappling. Sajara Eubanks dominated the grappling. Liz Carmouche dominated the grappling. Sarah McMahon dominated the grappling. And Caitlin Chikagian just does whatever the hell she does. And my point here is if you take Lauren Murphy down, you remove the ability for her to bully you, you're going to win that fight. And I have to assume that Misha Tate at 125 pounds will be strong, will be as good of a wrestler as she was at 135 pounds, and she might be able to do some of her own bullying here. So I think Misha can come forward, work in the takedowns, and win a decision here. So, you know, anybody talking about Misha Tate's old, used up, whatever, she's significantly younger in this fight. And uh, I think she can win this fight. I do think the odds are a bit wide because Lauren Murphy is a proven entity at this weight class. And Misha Tate is almost just moving weight classes to try to find a win. What do you think, Jakey Boy? I think that the the weight cut is going to go perfect for her. If you look at her her Instagrams, which it's, I mean I'm on there six, seven, eight times a day uh, on her Instagram, just waiting for the next post, waiting for the next story, just sending messages after message. Misha, if you're out there, uh, please unlock my or, or unblock my other account. I, I, I'm on, I'm following you on a few other accounts, but my main account, if you will unblock me, uh, I'd appreciate that. Um, I could not believe she's only 35 years old. You mentioned the age, um, the age gap. She is only 30. That's like the, the prime for most people. I mean, I'm in the prime of my life. I'm 35 years old. You know what I mean? So, uh, it, it, that was actually like the most surprising fact because I, as you mentioned, a lot of people think she's just old, washed up. And the reason I mentioned the weight cut and, and looking at her Instagram picture and stuff like that, the other fighter that I'm going to compare her to that made the weight cut, made the drop in weight, and, and it looked fantastic. It looked like they did it the right way. A lot of people do the weight cut, and they just try to just cut the extra weight, right? They don't change the way that their body is, is shaped and react. Is, is Jose Aldo. 
Jose Aldo changed his entire body to go down 10 pounds of weight. He didn't just try to lose an extra 10 pounds, you know, the week of the fight. Misha Tate has changed. If you look at her picture, she has changed the way she looks to to make this weight because she had changed it, her entire body. So it's going to be an easy wake up for her. She's going to have the strength advantage. And when you look at Lauren Murphy, you know, decent fighter. But you can just tell the way she moves. She's stiff. She's just not an athlete, right? She's just she's someone that has figured out how to fight the way that she fights. But she's not she's not an athlete, right? She's not she doesn't do anything fluidly in exchanges. Everything just kind of stiff. And she really paid for that versus Shevchenko. Everything was real stiff, and Shevchenko is very fluid in there. And you look at the fights leading up to that title shot that she got. I mean, it's two split decision wins. A decision win versus Roxanne Modafari, and then a submission win versus a girl that's ten and nine. So I mean the. You know, hats off to her for getting to that point, but the wins are, are not great wins. It's not like she was putting people away. She's going to be completely overwhelmed and overmatched in, in this matchup versus a, an experienced, very high-level fighter in Misha Tate. And I can see Misha, she's already talking about title shots. I think she's getting a little bit ahead of herself. She's, you know, she lost her last fight. Um, but I think that she's in the weight class where she can definitely, definitely get that title shot again, and, and who knows what's going to happen. So uh, I'm, I'm obviously biased to Misha Tate, but I think she's very, very good and should dominate this matchup. Yeah, I mean, um, it should be interesting. I hope she does, right? I, I, I do. I hope she does. I would love a, a Misha Tate title run, and you know, she's marketable. She's a name. It'll be interesting, to, you know, to see her work back up. Where you know, Lauren Murphy, you know, she had her chance. Um, fun fact, though, in Misha Tate's first, no, second fight, the one, the last one, the one that she just lost. You remember I picked Ketlin to win that fight. But you remember oh, we went through MMA... Thank you, thank you so much. That's how we afford this new house. You remember uh, MMA Junkie? Oh, the truck. I literally Tell recorded, about the truck. I recorded I know you the screen. Want to. Uh, I know you want to. Look at I, that smile. I'm not going to tell strangers. Because I'm trying to get through this. We recorded the screen and on MMA Junkie, literally, I don't know how many people they have doing picks. It's like 17, 18. Every single one picked Misha Tate. Not one of them even went the other way to be different. And I think this is a similar situation. So I do think Misha wins, but I think this is a similar situation where people are just ignoring the fact that Lauren Murphy is strong, jacked, and is just crushing people who are not the champion, where Misha Tate's got some questionable losses in there. Split decision wins and a decision win versus Roxanne. She's not crushing people. She's tough, but a lot of times, I mean, a lot of times when you say that someone's tough, it's because they're not good at anything. I mean, that's literally when people are like, oh, they're so tough. It's like, well, it's because they're not very good at anything. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, 7400 bucks for Lauren Murphy, 8800 for Misha Tate. You know, I don't like these. I don't like these numbers. I really don't. What do you think of the DraftKings prices? Uh, neither one of them are in mine. I, I don't like the 88 for Misha. You know, if she gets some takedowns and stuff, but I would rather her at like, you know, 6900 yeah, I mean it's it's uh I agree. Like Lauren Murphy 7400. <laughs> I'm just ignoring your filth. Comments. I know you are. I know I know you. Are. You're so over it. Yeah, I can tell you're just fucking like let's just fucking get through this. <laughs> it's like you're like a minefield. Just like constantly between the people super chatting me getting me to like say horrible things by accident and you just like with the sexual harassment lawsuits just waiting in the background. <laughs> it's a mind this is a minefield. Anyway, 
Yeah, if Lauren any Murphy, these female fighters actually watch these videos at any point, it's <laughs> it's not going to be good for for us as a whole. I got the apologies ready. Thank God, like, yeah. All right. Well, oh, there anyway, you go, Angela. What trophy got? Seven, Lauren Murphy at seventy four hundred. <laughs> my personal life is nobody's business. Lauren Murphy at seventy four hundred dollars is probably decent value if you think she can pull off the win. Misha Tate at eighty eight hundred. I think she's overpriced, but I do think she wins. I'll probably spend that because uh, we do have to spend the money on some favorites, and there's a lot that I don't like. Monkey right. Knife Fight Strike Line. We've been saying a lot of more and more, like too many more and more. What? What? Like. Is this another more and more? It probably, it probably is. Yeah, is I every mean, fight in this card going to go to a decision? Yeah, Lauren, Lauren Murphy's tough. So, I mean, it's probably probably is a more and more. Yeah, I just don't know if Misha's going to get to 77, honestly. She looked bad in that Ketlin Vieira fight. Like, desperate. So, we'll see what happens. Guys, you want 50 free bucks? Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit. We send you 50 bucks as a thank you. We have a $2 donation from Joey Todoro. I know you're not going to write anything to get me in trouble here. We know Jacob wants Lauren Salamander Murphy to win. Oh, Jacob Jacob would uh, love Salamander, a woman that could just push him around. Uh, well, that would be Misha. The, yeah, the Salamander would be, uh, would be hibernating in a, a night with Lauren. There you go. There you go. Oh, Jesus Christ. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have Shane Burgos taking on Charles Air Jordan. Shane Burgos, 14-3 overall, 3-2 in his last five, coming off an incredible win over Billy Quarantillo. Charles Jordan is 13-4 overall, 3-1-1 in his last five. And he's coming off the submission win over Landa Venata about a month ago. Uh, Shane Burgos is a very good boxer who marches forward with high volume and pressure. He'll stay in the pocket and take one to give one. What makes him so effective is not only his chin and pressure, but he invests in the body and he wears his opponents down. Unfortunately, though, I cannot imagine Shane Burgos is going to have a very long career because he gets hit a ton. He absorbs, uh, let's see, how many significant strikes per minute? He absorbs almost eight, eight significant Ooh. strikes per minute which is an astronomical number that is double the ufc Sounds like me average versus my ex-wife charles jordan is also a fun come forward striker who has a great chin he's incredibly fast he has great timing and he's willing to take chances with spinning and flying attacks he's coming off a very quick submission win over land of anata and before that his very first decision win of his career and that was an awesome fight against andre Ull. Despite a handful of attempts, though, Charles has zero, zero takedowns in his UFC career. A few weeks ago, Bet Online, and actually this past week, I think, right? Bet Online had the prop bet for fight of the night. And if they do that again for UFC Long Island, I think this is going to be my pick. I think I'm going to bet this fight for fight of the night. Because uh, we have two high-volume strikers with solid chins and no real desire to grapple. What does surprise me here are the odds. Shane's almost, almost he's not quite, a 2-1 to one favorite. And while I agree that Shane wins this fight, I think it's closer than that. Jordan has proven to have very real power. Shane had that zombie knockout loss to Barboza last year. And he had a KO loss to Calvin Qatar before that. So I think Jordan's going to be live for a stoppage, as he always is. But Shane's pressure, his volume... 
His numbers are absolutely insane. In his fight with Billy Quarantillo, he landed 232 strikes. His fight against Josh Emmett, he landed 148. And that was even after giving up a takedown. So Shane is the pick, but this is going to be a really fun fight. And I think it's a pretty close fight as well. People are asking if you have a wife. Again, guys, no. no. Look at him. No, I said, because you mentioned the absorb strikes, and I said, it sounds like you're my ex-wife because she used to beat the shit out of me. So, uh, yeah, this I just mentioned the Lauren Murphy, how people say that she's she's tough, and that means that you're you, there's you're not really good. You're more tough than you are good, you know. Um, and I think both these guys are, are, are that. You know, I have no disrespect, no, it's no disrespect for Shane Burgos or Charles Jordan, but a lot of people think that these are like these world-class fighters. I just think they're both just tough as hell. And obviously they're very skilled fighters on their own right, but they get they get beat a lot. They get knocked out, you know, but they're both just tough as hell. And this is an exciting, very, very fun matchup that I cannot wait for. I agree. I think the odds are, are wild for this. I think it's probably a pick em fight. This is a, I see this as a, Shane Burgos is kind of a guy that seems like he starts fast, he kind of warms up, and then he kind of tails off, right? Where Charles Jordan is a guy that kind of get beat up, gets beat up early and then kind of surges as the fight goes on. So it'll be interesting to see how these guys collide. And if there is that moment where, you know, Shane is winning and then something happens in exchange and then Charles able to bring that pressure that he's able to uh, bring late in fights and maybe steal this fight late. You know, I have in my, the only thing I really have in my notes for this fight, because it's going to be fun, it's going to be back and forth, it's such a tough fight to pick when people are so tough. Um, this could look like, the, you know, the Michael Johnson and uh, Jamie Malarkey fight, where, you know, one person gets dropped, and then they come back, the other person gets dropped, somebody wins a round, and, and after the fight's over, everyone's saying it's a robbery, but it's really a, really a close fight. You know, Shane does have issues with the jab. A lot of those strikes absorb, it's just, he doesn't have really good head movement, he just eats jabs, eats jabs, and then throws back, and he will eat a shot to, to give a shot, and a lot of times it's a powerful shot that he gives, but he does just eat jabs and eat jabs. And is Charles Jordan going to take too much damage early from Shane to make that comeback that he's so well known? You know, I, I don't know what's going to happen in this fight. I got to pick Shane just because, honestly, I, I really don't know why. You know, maybe he's a little bit more technical, I guess, in the striking. He should be able to put, you know, some shots on Charles early, but... You know, if Charles Jordan shows up and just starts throwing crazy volume and beats the shit out of Shane Burgos, it wouldn't surprise me at all as well. So I think these odds are crazy. Shane is not going to be in my lineup at 9,000. I don't think Charles is either at whatever value he is. Let me look again. Yeah, he's not in my lineup either, but it should be a fun matchup. My pick is Shane Burgos, but this is a pick em, guys. Yep, uh, we're pretty aligned here. I'm surprised you picked Shane. I expect you to pick Charles. Um, so I'm surprised with that. But again, man, I hate these DraftKings prices. $9,000 for Shane Burgos. Charles Jordan's all the value in DraftKings, especially with his stoppage record. I mean, you know, I, I don't love a lot of these favorites in DraftKings. I do think Shane wins this fight. But do I? am I so confident in the fact that he's going to win that I'm going to blow out most of my budget? No, of course not. So I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what my DraftKings lineup is going to look like, but $9,000 is a lot of money to spend. What do you think? No, I'm not going to spend it. I know a lot of – I saw something on Twitter. Somebody maybe even in our Discord. Join our Discord. If you haven't joined our Discord, we talk about fights all week. But uh, somebody mentioned that Shane was – I think maybe he said that he was embarrassed about his last fight and didn't look the way he was. And he's undefeated in New York, I think, is another stat. And this is in Long Island, his hometown. He's a hometown kid. So he might come out, look inspired, and look look fantastic. So I think that's why I'm more leaning on Shane than anything. But uh, 9,000 is way too much. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it'll be interesting. The strike line's interesting too. One twenty six 
to 94. Again, I read off the stats, right? He landed 232 strikes against Billy Quarantillo, 148 against Josh Emma. So Shane Burgos is putting up these numbers. And this fight's expected to go the distance. So I, you know, I, I get it, but it's also, how can you have a Charles Jordan fight that you expect to go to the distance when the dude has 17 fights and 16 of them did not go the distance? So I yeah, think, I actually, you know, yeah, I actually think somebody finds a, a finish here. I think they really get after it. Main card, 100%. you know, live fans. I think somebody finds a finish here. They both take so much damage. No. I know that people are tough until they're not tough. Well, you just take so much damage, man. Somebody's. I feel like somebody's gonna get somebody's gonna get somebody. I completely agree. I think um, if it's a two and a half round fight, or it sorry, is. two and a half round line, I may. It is. And, and what is the? Do you have the odds in front of you? Minus one hundred eight for under two and a half. So it's pretty much a pick em. Yeah, I, I may grab that. I, I, I think it might legit, there might legitimately be a stoppage or, you know, it might be easier money to do the under on monkey knife fight. That's a lot of strikes. That's a lot of strikes. And I know historically they've landed that, but they have, they've historically landed that against other fighters that haven't put up those same numbers, right? Maybe if, right. Yeah, these know, are I, equally I as tough opponents. Yeah, they're both fighting the toughest opponent that they fought as far as, like, durability and stuff. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. But, guys, you want to check Marcelo out Rojo. the monkey the monkey knife fight strike line. If you feel strongly about that, go to wewonpicks.com slash MKF. Sign up. They will instantly match your deposit. And if you want 50 free bucks, go to wewonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit. We will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up, at UFC Long Island, we have Matt Schnell taking on Sue Maderji. Matt Schnell, 15-7 and seven overall, 2-3 and three in his last five, and he's coming off that heartbreaking loss to Brandon Royval. Sue Maderji, Mudarji, I mean, fix these names. He's 16-4 and four overall. I need to write them out phonetically. He's 16-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, riding a three-fight win streak. Matt Schnell's a very good counter-striker with solid BJJ, and he does a really good job of getting you to follow him. And as soon as you follow him, he plants his feet, he fires back with a combination. And he loves doing that off leg kicks as well. He'll end an exchange with a leg kick. He'll take a few steps back. You'll follow him, and then that whole cycle just repeats itself. His BJJ is slick, and he snatches things up and scrambles really well. And But while he can be slick on the ground, he has almost no way to get it there. He has a 33% takedown accuracy and only two takedowns in the UFC. Subinergy is a fast striker with laser accuracy and solid volume. He doesn't have much power, but because he's so fast and his movement is so well-timed, he can get stoppages. He's got plenty of cardio and a great in-and-out style, and he can out-decision most people who aren't looking to take him down. He has an impressive 100% takedown accuracy, but that's misleading because he only has one single takedown in the UFC. There's a fun striker versus striker matchup with two guys who fight very differently. Sumaderji is looking to fight a fast technical kickboxing match where Schnell will be looking to counter and just forward and hit you off that pressure. Muderji's sitting at the minus 260 odds you see here, and he's a pretty solid favorite, but I don't think you should sleep on Schnell. It's easy to look at his record and see he was submitted by Brandon Royval two months ago, but if you remember, he dropped Royval early, and it looked like he was going to get the KO win before he was caught in that guillotine. So this fight is going to be decided by who can impose their striking style, and I think the forward pressure and volume of Muderji 
will be better than the weight and counter style of Schnell. But like so many other fights on this card, I think this should be much closer than the odds. So Minergy's the pick. If you're talking bets, you know, Matt Schnell might be a solid plus three and a half play here, right? If you think he could win one round on the judges' scorecard, you'll buy another round and then you'll hit your bet. I don't know. I haven't placed that yet, but... If you think Matt Schnell is live and can win a round, these are the exact type of odds where you'll get some favorable stuff there. So if you think so, you're only going to get the buy a round prop bet if you go to weonpicks.com slash bets. Five different partners. Bet online is the one and only partner that offers that. And if you want to sign up, make a deposit, we will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Yeah, I, I like Mike Sh- Matt Schnell. I think he's probably... a pretty underrated fighter in this division you mentioned that last fight he actually lost his mom during the training camp for that fight almost just didn't even fight at all but thought you know what let me push through this and came out and was super super aggressive and had Roy Vall in big big trouble I mean Brennan Roy Vall was on the ground scrambling for his life got dropped and was able to I mean that's what Brennan Roy Vall does man he just I mean he scrambles and finds positions and was able to find that submission and you can see the um, the absolute defeat in Matt Chanel because that was a tough fight mentally for him to get up for and was winning the fight and then and, and get got caught in that guillotine i kind of see this the same way as the um the ricky simone jack shore fight in the way that matt Schnell is not going to win a three-round decision versus suma muderji suma derji is that good will that not make got, not get me canceled if i say suma derji is that good is that close enough um uh, i don't think he's going to win a three-round so. decision yeah, I was kind of looking for you to kind of chime in there, but I'll just keep rolling with it. I don't think he can win a three-round decision. I think his best bet is to come through first round, sell out, try to turn this into a brawl, maybe find a way to get this fight to the ground because he should have the you know the, the grappling advantage in this fight. You saw Sumadeji's losses. I think they're all submissions, so I know a lot of people in the chat are like, oh my God, Matt Schnell by sub, Matt Schnell by sub. But Sumadeji is, is a very, very good fighter. You mentioned his in-and-out style. He's very, very slick with his in-and-out. You know, I watched one of his last fights. I can't remember of his last one or the one before that where they were talking about how good he is at baiting people into shots he will throw a jab wait for you to counter if you don't counter he'll just be patient with it and he sets up shots waiting for your big shot and that's when he's slick with his in and out and waits for those power shots i think matt Schnell comes out i think his best pack to victory is to be aggressive but also that puts him at most risk because suma energy is, is very good in those counter shots and with this power and i just see matt Schnell coming across being aggressive and Sumaderji just knocking him out, unfortunately. So I'm Sumaderji all the way. I think I have him in my DraftKings as well. He's one of those high-value guys. Um, he is in my lineup. At $9,100, I think he's worth the play. Uh, he should be the better striker in the matchup, and I don't think the fight, the fight gets to the ground where Matt Schnell can shine. So I'm Sumaderji all the way in this matchup. I think he finds the knockout. Unfortunately, I'm a big Matt Schnell guy. Just a tough matchup for him. Yeah, I agree. I'm a big Matt Schnell guy too. I, I was picking him against Alex Perez and all those fights that fell through. Um, just because I like the counter style. But I do think Sue gets this done. Uh, he's one of the few favorites who's probably worth the money, the 9100 bucks. But, uh, you know, Matt Schnell, you know, Matt Schnell's tricky because Matt Schnell's always a live underdog. I think he's a live underdog in every fight that he's in, right? I don't think, I don't think he's ever been matched up where you're like, oh, he's going to get blown through. Like, he's always, he's a very good fighter. Um, but I do think Sue is just too fast, too technical, too slick. And I think he gets this done. So I'm not going to bet him. If you think Matt Schnell can win a single round, that bet I mentioned earlier, you're going to get some solid odds there. Uh, but I will probably do the $9,100 in DraftKings. Again, 
Not a lot of fighters I like at these price points, and and uh, he is one of them. Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line. I think it's more and more. I think this fight goes a little longer. I think they'll be touching each other, and it is counter striker versus solid offensive striker. So hopefully they're not just staring at each other because they're both be trying to set traps left and right. I think they'll. Uh, I do think they'll they'll engage quite a bit, and I could see a more and more Monkey Knife Fight. What do you think? Uh, plus 130 on that, plus three and a half for Mesh now. I don't love that that value, but if you want to play it, you know, hats off to you. Plus Probably 130 more. coming down from plus 220, and all he needs to do is win one round. That's actually not bad at all. I think he gets knocked out. Anyway, you guys want 50 bucks? You know what to you do. Bet? Bitch boy? Bets. Bet what? Oh, yeah, you picked uh, Sumadish. <laughs> I kind of jumped down your throat there, uh Sorry about that. No, I apologize. I'm looking for a bet. Well, usually, I'm, I'm, I like making money off you. We haven't had we'll one find to bet one. on yet. We will find one. Shut up. Might be this next Shut one. Up. Oh, let's this next one. Let's do it this one. That's it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I hope I hope we're on opposite sides. I would love. Oh, to. we are. Done. Bet. Done. Here next we go. up at Lock UFC it in, Chad. Come on. Long. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have Jing Lang Lee. Taking on Muslim Salikov. Jing Liang is 18 and 7 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, coming off the loss to Hamzat Shamayev last year. Muslim Salikov is 18 and 2 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five, coming back after more than a year away. Jing Liang's a very good boxer with solid volume and very real power. He mixes in low kicks to slow you down before sending those power hands right over the top. But as solid as his striking is, he does have holes in his grappling. And he's not a complete fish out of water, but his 58% takedown defense may get tested here against Muslim Salikov. But Muslim Salikov is a solid striker who hits very hard, and he does have that wrestling in his back pocket if he needs it. And seeing how Jing Lang lost his last fight, he might just go to that first. He holds nothing back, and almost every single strike is a significant strike from Muslim. For example... In his last win against Trinaldo, he landed 71 total strikes, every kind of strike, and 62 of them were significant. So in a fight with two takedowns and three minutes of control time, only nine strikes were not significant. He's really has, he's just really solid takedown defense, solid takedown offense, and great striking. I, I love Muslim Salakov. A few months ago, when I broke down the Shemaev versus Burns fight, anecdotally, I said, this will be a tough test Whoa. for Shemaev. He has not beaten anyone who could sniff the top 10. I said something like that. People lost their minds. A whole world of Jing Lang fans just rushed to the comments section to say, Jing Lang's in the top, whatever. Jing Lang. So people, it was one of the most ludicrous support trains I've ever seen in my entire life. And I hope every single one of those absolute clowns bets on Jing Lang here because I want to shrink this line. I think Muslim smokes him. I think he can almost do whatever he wants. Uh, Muslim's the pick. I'm happy to bet you in this fight. And Jing Lang's a very talented fighter. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on him. It was just the absurdity of the people in the comment section pretending that when Jing Lang was fighting Shemaev, that all of a sudden he's he was top three in the world when he like it, it, it was absurd. It made no sense. Sometimes the people in the comments are uh, a bit trollish. Jacob, please tell me you're on the other side here because I'd love to bet you. 
Uh, I wasn't going to be on the other side, but what the hell, you know, we're coming off an undefeated week. Let's get a little bit wild in this matchup. You want to do the 150 uh, bet that we usually typically do? 100 if uh, Lee wins for me and 50 if Yeah, but if it shouldn't Muslim be 50. It shouldn't be, oh, minus 175. All right, 150, fine. Yeah, we, we did that. Remember, the odds weren't favor for me last week, but we still did it, but... And I end up winning the, the bet, by the way, uh, as I typically do. Listen, the, the safe play is obviously Muslim. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and make a, a, a big case for Lee and say that you should you should bet on Lee and this and that. My pick before, I just want to bet Angelo. So, honestly, my pick would be Muslim in this matchup. He should win this fight. He's a better fighter, overall fighter, than Lee. But when I watch Lee, man... That dude does some weird shit, and he throws heat from weird angles, and he's constantly moving, and his hands are doing weird stuff. You watch that fight versus Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio is a much better fighter and a much better striker than Lee. Ponzinibbio was, like, frozen in front of him because of all the weird feints and movement that Lee was putting in front of him, and all of a sudden, he's moving this, he's moving that, he's feinting this, he's feinting takedowns, feinting level changes, and all of a sudden, that big shot is there and just absolutely put his lights out. I think it was, like, a weird left hook from a weird angle that caught him, and then he jumped on him. I, you know, the pick is Muslim. But I'll bet you, Angelo, that Lee finds a weird knockout because that dude throws absolute heat and he is nonstop moving, nonstop faint. So I'll bet you on this fight. I'll even make my pick, Lee. I don't, I don't, I don't care at this point. We'll get crazy with it. If you guys want to be safe, Muslim is definitely the play. I'll take Lee. I'll take the money on him. I'm not going to put a money. I'm not going to bet the books for Lee, but I'll have fun and bet Angelo for him. I think he's weird enough to find a weird knockout. The guy throws heat and does weird stuff. Let's go with Lee. Let's have some fun. All right. Well, the bet's locked in. And and people uh, are confusing my trash talking with... I have nothing against Jing Lang. I think he is a, he's a good fighter. But the way people came from my head when I said he's now or near the top 10 made no sense to me. Like, what a weird argument. What a weird hill to die on trying to convince the world that a man who was held in the air... Held in the air while Shemaev was just talking to people is top ten in the world. It's it's it was such. But a if he would have landed that so shot weird. that he threw, that Shemaev ducked under. That <laughs> did. I don't think people realize how hard he, he threw that. I'm not. Say, I'm not. Obviously, I'm every, not saying like oh, every single been. fight. But is that was like that was like have Jesus landed Christ. Yeah, he's gonna land yeah, it. This he's, he's a good fighter, but he's a good fighter. But when people were going out of their way to like scream and yell that that Jing Lang's top ten, it made no sense to me. Anyway. I, I love Muslim here, so I'll bet you hundred bucks instead of the books. Finally, yeah, and let me make it clear: I'm, I'm not again. I'm not putting money against the books for Lee. I would not pick Lee. My pick, I have it highlighted as Muslim as my pick, but my official pick, I'll, I'll still go with Lee. And uh, but I wouldn't listen to me, honestly. I, I can't wait till some buffoon's gonna be like, "You picked Lee." Well, I don't understand. What do you mean? You went twelve and zero. Anyway, no, I'll take it as a loss. I'll take eighty six hundred. I'll find that. Then what's the point? You picked like you're gonna lose no matter what. Then congratulations, eighty six hundred dollars. Muslim will be in my DraftKings lineup. What about you? Uh, no. No. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, I I do love in my DraftKings lineup the ability to get the takedowns, the you know the striking. I think uh, I think it's solid. Monkey knife fight strike line fifty two to sixty seven. I think it honestly is probably a less. Jing Lang tends to throw with that big power. Muslim is a solid striker. He also hits hard, but he may go to that wrestling. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying I think there's going to be a stoppage, 
but I do think they will stay under that strike line. What do you think? I think it probably is a less-less. I, I like that a lot because, as you mentioned, Lee will just throw heat, and he does a lot of just standing and fainting. So it's probably a less-less. Because I think Muslim, it takes him a little bit to figure out, what's this line at, actually? This is a one and a half. I don't know why no, it would be. No way it's but, yeah, yeah, I don't know why it would be. be, but that's a two and a half. Under, yeah, yeah. over two and a half yeah. is minus 145. But, yeah. Yeah, it's so that's a while to figure expected out to go to the distance. I think it'll go the distance as well, but I do think the less less in the monkey strike line, monkey knife fight strike line is pretty solid. You know, if you know what it is, it's the it's the top five dumbest names in all of fantasy. But it is Sorry, daily guys. fantasy, and all you need to do is say, well, he didn't name it. All you need to do is say more or less on these strike lines, and if you're right, you can triple your money. You can even put some of them together and twenty five times your money. Ton of fun, super easy. We want picks. dot com slash m. KF, they will instantly match your deposit. Give them 20, they'll give you 20. 100, they'll give you 100. And if you want 50 free bucks to kickstart that, go to wearepicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. Sign up, make a deposit. We will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have Michelle Waterson, the karate hottie, taking on Amanda Limosh. Michelle Waterson's 18-9 overall, 2-3 in her last five. I and mean, she's coming back after about a year away from the cage. Amanda Limosh is 11-2 overall, 4-1 in her last five. Coming off that early submission loss to Jessica Andrade. Michelle Waterson, a.k.a. the Karate Hottie, is a talented fighter who has been a professional for an incredible 15 years. She's got tons of cage time with some of the best to ever do it. She's fought multiple champions like Rose Namajunas, Carla Esparza, Joanna Jerzejczyk, and she has wins over solid opponents like Angela Hill, Karolina Kovacevic, Felice Herrick when she was good, and other women who are sitting just outside that top 10. Style-wise, she's a slick striker who uses kicks and distance really well with wrestling in her back pocket. She's got 20 takedowns in her last 13 fights and despite the 33 percent accuracy she can time her shots pretty well amanda limosh is a muay thai striker with fast hands and a ton of power she does a very good job keeping her fights at muay thai range to avoid those takedowns she has a solid 88 percent takedown defense and has only been taken down one time in the ufc even in her submission loss to andraj she defended the takedown she was submitted on her feet and despite her last two performances, Amanda Limosh has power in her hands. She's dangerous on the ground, and she's a tough outing for almost anybody in this division. Uh, I like Michelle Waterson a lot, but I just don't see her winning this fight. For her to beat Amanda, she would need to stick and move for an entire 15 minutes. And that's exactly what she needed to do in her last fight against Marina, and she couldn't do it there. So I, I just don't think she's going to be able to do it here. So she's very tough. I don't necessarily think there's going to be a stoppage, but I think Amanda's power, her takedown defense, her volume of five significant strikes landed per minute, I think all of those things combined will get it done. So Lemos is the pick, and it's probably safe to put her in parlays. And what's amazing is the line movement here, dude. Amanda Lemos, when I did this on Sunday, was like a minus 700 favorite. It was something crazy. And now Wonder, she's already she really? all the way down to minus... Yeah. And now she's down to minus 315. Because people love Michelle Waterson, which I totally... Dude, Michelle Waterson is ridiculously talented. She's very, very good. But, you know, flyweight, man, she should be at 115, not 125. 
she needs to stick and move the entire time. She's losing. She doesn't have wins over those top 10 opponents. She's beating everybody outside the top 10. So I just think always a bridesmaid, never a bride type situation for uh, Michelle Waterson. So I'm going Amanda Lemos and man, minus 315, that, that flexed all the way down from the 700s. I'll take it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, and unfortunately, Michelle Waterson, you know, Karate Hottie, you know, shout out to Karate Hottie. Um, she's another one of those fighters that at, at this point in her career, she's she's tough, right? She's, she's very, very tough, and she'll probably be there for all three rounds against Amanda. But, you know, at this point, I I agree with you, Angela. I, I just don't see a path to victory for Amanda. And trust me, I, I, I want to look for it because with those odds and how tough she is, if, if there's a little bit of a path to victory, you can see putting some money on the underdog in this matchup. But, you know, Amanda is just so well-versed. And, and let me preface this first by saying I'm a big Amanda fan and I'm a big Andrade hater. That was the luckiest bullshit submission. I have outstanding <laughs> arm triangle. Get the fuck out of here. She was going to dominate that fight on her way to a title shot. And I think the UFC recognizes the talent in Amanda Lemos, where instead of losing that fight and putting up her, her up against a dangerous prospect or another fight where she could lose, I think they said, you know what, let's give her a name, give her the co-main, let's give her an opportunity to really shine and show the world who Amanda Lemos is. That way, when she gets to that title shot again, people know who she is. They put her as the co-main for a reason against an opponent she should absolutely dominate. That's no disrespect to uh, Michelle Waters and the Karate Hottie. She's very tough and very good fighter, but Amanda Lemos is, 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 is that next level fighter. I always talk about the next level. Amanda Lemos is that next level. Next level power. She carries that power throughout three rounds. I know she's seen like she has some cardio issues at time, you know, in that Angela Hill fight, but she, she handled her own in that fight as well. Uh, she is that next level fighter. She should absolutely dominate this fight, and um, that's why the odds are the way they are. So, you know, Karate Hottie, nothing against you. After the fight, I'll put some ice on those bruises for you, but it's Amanda Lemos all the way. I got her in my DraftKings lineup. Yeah, Karate Hottie, I saw her years ago on um, uh, American Ninja Warrior. She fell immediately, <laughs> unfortunately. Like, literally fell on the first jump. So, that was a little embarrassing. But um, $6,800, $9,400. Amanda Lemos is one of the few expensive fighters I do believe in. $9,400. That's a lot. That's asking for a stoppage. But I don't think it's absurd that she gets a stoppage. Like, I don't think it's that ridiculous. Michelle Waterson's very, very good. But I feel like she's in the paycheck portion of her career and not the... Uh, you know, looking for a title run portion of her career. And that's no offense to her. By all means, make, hope she makes enough money to support her family for a very long time and retire. But um, yeah, it's, yeah, when it yeah, comes I, to picking I, fights, I got to go with the hungry fighter. Yeah, and I agree with the with the stoppage. I think if anyone is going to finish uh, Karate Adi, it, it's probably going to be Amanda Lemos, honestly. Yeah, and we'll see what that loss does to her, right? Like... You know, obviously it wasn't her first loss ever, but it was her first important loss. So we'll see what that does to her. Um, you know, she may come out, you know, just ready, just changing things. Oh, and, she'll be ready. And uh, ready to put on a show. So 9400 bucks. I will probably spend that. The Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 76 to 67. That is saying there's a decision, right? That's saying Michelle Waterson, one of the few times where the underdog is expected to land more strikes. The, she's going to dance around and touch up, and that's what she does. But... I just think Amanda's going to be too much here. I don't think Michelle's going to hit that rhythm. Uh, I don't think she's going to have the time to dance around. So I think it's a less, less situation. 
I think there may be some grappling here. Um, and certainly there's going to be big power from Amanda. And if she's landing all that power, she's not going to need to get the 67. But if she's throwing big power, it's going to be lower volume. So I think it's another might go to a decision, but still be less, less monkey knife fight situation. What do you think? I think you're probably right. And we have questions in the live chat. This fight is at 125 pounds, not 115, which is Michelle Waterson's, you know, natural weight class. So, but she's coming back after a year away. So lots of stuff going on here, but uh, both on the Limoche side, um, I was wrong with how drastic the line movement was. It was like from minus 500 to minus 300, but that's still some solid movement. Um, a lot of money came in on Waterson there. I get it. Tried and true vet. I just don't think it's going to happen here. You know, you know, it's funny is, as I, as you said that I looked at it online, it was minus three twenty, and then I clicked on it and now it's minus three ten. So it just moved right now. There you go. See? Yep. And again, this fight is at one twenty five, one two five, not one one five. Oh no. We want picks.com slash bet. Sign up, make a deposit. We'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC Long Island, we have the main event of the evening. We have Brian Ortega taking on Yair Rodriguez. And Brian Ortega is 15 and 2 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five, and he's coming off that failed title attempt to Alexander Volkanovsky. Yair Rodriguez is 13 and 3 overall, 2, 2, and 1 in his last five, coming off that close loss to Max Holloway. Brian Ortega is a phenomenal grappler. He doesn't have very good wrestling. It's a low 24% accuracy. Don't get me started and ranting on how absurd it is that you're that good on the ground and you have no way to get it there. That just that that annoys me more than any any skill set gap in MMA. But anyway, if Brian Ortega is able to tie you up, able to get you to the ground. You're definitely going to be in some trouble. He has solid offensive striking, but his defense needs a little bit of work. He's hit with almost seven significant strikes per minute, which is a very high number. He's hot and cold in his fights, which makes breaking him down kind of hard, right? You don't know what you're going to get. He looked like a lion against Frankie Edgar, a sheep against Max, a lion against Korean Zombie, and then a sheep against Volkanovsky. You just don't know what Brian Ortega you're going to get, but you do know that no matter what, he will be very dangerous on the ground. Yair Rodriguez was a surging up-and-comer. He came into the UFC. He made a wild splash. He put together a really nice win streak, and then he lost to Frankie Edgar. He bounced back with a great win over Korean Zombie and then Jeremy Stevens. And then, you know, it just sort of died, right? He took two years off after that to deal with a whole bunch of stuff. And then he came back and fought Max. He's a fun, athletic guy who's going to spin kick his way to KO and entertain you the entire time he's in the cage. We saw the statistic last week when they were hyping this fight. It said something like, Yair Rodriguez has the most fight of the night awards since 2014 or something like that. And he's tough to deal with, though, because his striking is so unpredictable and you just don't know what you're going to get. And even if it does open him up for takedowns, he's solid enough on the ground that he can throw up a submission or at least create scrambles and then stand back up. Both of these guys are coming off main event losses, but I think they looked very different in those fights. Yair Rodriguez, I thought he looked incredible against Max. I get it. He lost and it was a decision, a clear, you know, clear one, but I thought he looked incredible. He was dynamic. He was landing well. And if he wasn't taken down, he may have won that fight. Brian Ortega didn't look very good in his loss against Alexander. 
he did drop him. He did almost pull off that submission. So, like, on paper, you see, wow, he dropped him. Oh, yeah, he almost had that mounted guillotine. But that was it. That was literally the only success he had in a 25-minute fight. He was outclassed almost the entire time. And I think I like Yair here. I, I totally understand that if this hits the ground, there's going to be a large skill gap. But I think there's an even larger skill gap while they're on their feet. Styles make fights, and I think that the dynamic striking of Yair is going to be a problem for Ortega. Volkanovsky and Max were both able to dominate the striking because they don't sit still. They don't plant. They don't give Brian any time to try to slow it down and grapple. And I think Yair's exactly the same. Just constant movement, lots of power. And this time out, I'm, you know, he's not going to have two years of ring rust to shake off like he did against Max. So I like Yair to win this fight. And if you want to say, well, hey, Max Holloway took Yair Rodriguez down three times, Brian's going to be able to take him down, and that's going to be a problem. If that's true, or sorry, if you, like, that's a true statement, and you have a very valid point there. But I think Yair was taken down the way he was because he was not expecting it. Who was expecting Max Holloway to shoot more takedowns than he has ever shot in his entire life? Nobody was. Not even Yair Rodriguez. But coming into this fight, he absolutely is expecting Brian Ortega to take some shots and try to get it to the ground. So I like Yair to win this fight. And I do have a money line bet on him to win I was just really impressed against Max, but maybe that's the trap of Max, right? The dude gets hit so much, he can make anybody look good, even if he wins. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Um, there's one thing that I, I want to mention off the rip, and I think that's Brian Ortega's striking, I think is pretty underrated as a whole. I, I know that he does get hit, he takes damage, but he has some pretty, pretty slick boxing, slips stuff well, throws counters well, and has a pretty good jab as well. There's two question marks for this fight, and they all everything resides with Brian Ortega, I think. I think Yair is who he is. He's a good, powerful striker. The question marks for Brian Ortega is, is, is first of all, how does he bounce back from that, that second title loss defeat? Because it, it's hard sometimes to re-motivate yourself after one, right? Maybe after one, you get that taste, and you really taste, and you, and you push yourself to get that second one. You get the second opportunity, and the way that he lost that, where he was so close, he had his special gu mounted guillotine, and then after that, he puts him in a triangle, has the full triangle, he slips out, and then after that, he puts him in a darse. He, it's like the opportunities were there for him to win the fight, and it slips through his fingers, and sometimes for people... That can that can you know motivate you more, and sometimes that can absolutely break you as a fighter. Like I was so close, I taste, I was so close, not only once but twice, I was there. And how does he respond to that? I know typically after losses he's bounced back and looked great, but that's such a tough loss, and that he's 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 taken so much damage too in those losses as well. That I'll be interested to see how he bounces back mentally through his training camp. The second question mark for Ortega is. Has he implemented wrestling? You mentioned he's so good on the ground, but he cannot get fights to the ground. You know, his relationship with Tracy Cortez. Tracy Cortez is known for her wrestling. She showed off how good her wrestling is against Melissa Gatto in her last fight, controlling wrestling. With those two, maybe the camp has been really, really wrestling-focused. He comes out and is able to get those takedowns. And maybe if he comes out and is able to get those takedowns, he, he should absolutely dominate this fight if he can get those takedowns, get the back, control the fight. So if he comes out and is able to get the takedowns and win this fight, you know, I'm not going to be surprised at all because he has that advantage that you mentioned on the ground. But... 
Yair Rodriguez, the striking that he possesses and the power that he possesses. Some of those strikes that he landed on Max Holloway, I sent you a clip the other day or yesterday or today, whenever it was, of a combination he landed against Max Holloway. It was a head kick with a straight just one to snap Max Holloway, Max Holloway's head back. Brian Ortega, as tough as he, as he is, is not going to be able to eat the shots that Max Holloway ate in that matchup. There's just the damage that he's taken up to this point. He is not going to be able to eat the shots and the power from Yair Rodriguez. So, is Brian going to be able to implement the wrestling? Up to this point, he has shown that he has not been able to. So, I cannot put money in my pick in something that Brian Ortega has not shown up to this point. Can he still hang with Yair in the boxing? You know, maybe, you know, for a few rounds, but I just think the power advantage for Yair with the striking is just going to be way, way, way too much for Brian Ortega. So I'm a big Brian Ortega fan. I love Brian Ortega. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't even try to mess with the relate. I love Tracy Cortez, but, you know, I think they're perfect together. Brian, you got a great girl. I'm not going to step in uh, in between that relationship, but I just think in the striking, he's going to be overwhelmed, and I just haven't seen his ability to get the fight to the ground without something weird happening. The the reason the fight got to the ground, I think, as you mentioned, it was uh, Ortega, it was more, or uh, Volkanovski, it was more of a slip than anything. And he took advantage of the opportunity. He's very opportunistic with his jiu-jitsu, but without the pure wrestling and be able to shoot takedowns, get the fight to the ground, Yair, I think it's going to be way too much on the feet. So I was surprised that he honestly was the underdog in this matchup. Um, I'll, I'll probably put some money line bet on him as well. And I, I just think the power is going to be way too much for Brian, but... We'll see what happens. If Brian, you know, gets a submission win, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm, I'm surprised he did that. You know, of course he's, he's well. No, I, I completely agree. If, if Brian learns how to wrestle, all of a sudden he's crazy dangerous. And it's funny, the comment section's wild. You guys are definitely split. Uh, one comment here from Jester, Ortega has never been finished. Two losses by former and current champions. Y'all nuts. Who the hell are Volkanovski and Holloway finishing? They're not finishers. They're not finishers. Yeah, obviously everybody has a finish or two. They're not finishers. It's not shocking that they couldn't and just, finish. And, Brian and I Ortega. hate. And, yeah, and I absolutely hate when people say, "Oh, he has." Nobody is ever finished until they're finished, right? I mean, that's literally how it goes. You, you're never finished, and then all of a sudden you get finished. So just because you've never been finished doesn't mean you can't get finished. You just haven't been yet. I mean, look at Tony Ferguson. Look at I mean, all those people. I mean, you eventually you probably get finished. It just happens. Yeah, I mean, listen, Brian Ortega. By far the more dangerous fighter on the ground. Yair Rodriguez, by far the more dangerous fighter on their feet. And as very simply, if Brian Ortega can get it to the down, he probably wins. Can he get it to the ground? Well, he's proven that he can't. And that's literally how I got to my pick. That's just literally how I did it. So, frankly, if he has worked on his wrestling and he plugged those gaps, he's a very dangerous guy. Because as you said, his striking, his striking has improved. His striking's solid, but... It's nowhere near as good as Rodriguez is. And I have to assume Yair Rodriguez is pretty solid on the ground, too. It's not like he's getting submitted left and right. Like, if he, he's not, you know, well, a pure well boxer. It's not, he's not Floyd Mayweather. You take him to the ground, he's screwed, right? So, anyway, uh, I'm actually very Floyd's surprised that you and I are... Okay. I, I'm very surprised you and I are on the same side here. Genuinely surprised. I'm a huge, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Ortega guy. I just, I just... You're not huge. You're 5'6". Um, $7,700, Yair Rodriguez will be in my DraftKings lineup. My favorite comment this week is someone's like, oh, Jacob's going to hold that 11-0 over Angelo's head. <laughs> I was just like, well, the best part is once we get big and famous and people start seeing me in public, 
they're going to be like, holy shit, you're a lot bigger than I thought, which is going to feel great for me because you literally are like, it, it, yeah, yeah. At like <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, wow. And they're all going to be like, looking up at me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cause I am making you sound like a tiny, like you're not, we are very I'm, different I'm sizes, taller, but I'm, yeah, I'm taller than the average person for sure. When I walk in a crowd of people, I'm taller than most people. In what country? Not in America. Not in the South. Every, every time I walk out here. Every time I walk by this middle school, okay. I see over all of them. <laughs> exactly. And then you're quickly escorted out of there by the police. Yeah, anytime I'm hanging, I was anyway. gonna say, anytime I'm hanging around the middle school <laughs> playground, I can see you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, $7,700 in DraftKings. I do think I like Yair quite a bit. Uh, the monkey knife fight strike line. I do think this goes right. I don't think it, it may not go the full distance, but I do think this fight will go quite a bit. I think it'll be exciting. There'll be some back and forth. Ortega might end up diving at legs, but Ortega has shown that he is willing to exchange. He doesn't get desperate with his shots. They're just not very good when he attempts them, but he will exchange. So I'm going to take a look at how many strikes Ortega landed against Volkanovski. And if it's over 100, this is a, an easy more-more for me. If it's not, then maybe a less more. What do you think of the monkey knife I strike line? I just don't see Brian Ortega getting hit in the face 123 times. And, and I mean, <laughs> Yair throws heat, guys. You watch some of those combinations he threw against Max. I'm, I'm convinced Max doesn't even have a brain in his head. Because, um, I mean, just snap. Just wow. There's a reason Max was wrestling, was it, guys. Wasn't Ortega the one that Max was, like, hitting in the face, and then he grabbed Ortega's hands yeah, and held it, it up, like, yeah, to show him most, how to block a punch? Yeah, the fight. most disrespectful shit I've ever seen. What, in, like, the fourth round, I guess it didn't go the fifth round. The fourth round, he literally stops Ortega, and Ortega literally stops throwing punches, and Max is like, when I throw this, put your hand here. When I throw this, and then Ortega's like, all right, get the fuck off me. Like, what are you doing? But they literally stop fighting, and Max is giving him a boxing lesson in the middle. It was literally the most disrespectful shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, after Jester talking about nobody stops Brian Ortega. What a buffoon, Jester. Come on, man. Get your act together. This is unbelievable. Guys, Does not go the distance. It's minus 150, by the way. So they do think there's a stoppage here, which frankly makes sense, right? It's either standing or on the ground. Somebody's going to get stopped. You guys want 50 free bucks? Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners, and we will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. You want to test out Monkey Knife Fight? WeWantPicks.com slash MKF. It's daily fantasy. It's easy, fun, legal. WeWantPicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit. Any parting words for the people before I hang up and put on some chapstick because I am Yeah, dry. everyone watching right now, how many people are watching right now? We got almost 200, uh, over 200 people in here. Like the fucking stream, you assholes. That's all I got. Yeah, and subscribe. Well, thanks. Uh, and subscribe if you're new. There goes the monetization on this video. Thank you for that. Guys, appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out. And uh, we'll see you later this week for all of the other things. See ya.